Hey there, folks. We're back once again. It's the Uticast, episode 111, a jam-packed show. We are joined this week by the Old Main as they prepare for their Saranac Thursday showing. Uh, they also played us a nice live song in the studio. First time ever for the Uticast sessions. Uh, also this week, we're going to be talking uh, about the new National Registry of Historic Places, including Bag Square East. Uh, the Oneida Brewery remains found in the arterial. We'll be talking about Emiliano's Zapata, we'll be talking about the Emoji Movie, and of course we'll be talking about Juan Mata. Who's Juan Mata? You'll find out later. All that and more, folks. Episode 101. Oh, yeah. studio where the magic apparently apparently happens welcome back again folks once again episode 111 um and very exciting this week we're breaking some new ground this week which we've never done before on the show we'll get to that in a minute never broken new ground never broken new ground on the show before uh heather is here hello heather hi uh kevin is here Hi, Kevin. Hi. What's going on, buddy? I was waiting for you to address me. I didn't say hi to myself. Uh, I'm hanging in. Good. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, A lot of times I ask you guys how your weekends have been, what you guys did. I'm going to ask you a different question. I'm going to ask you a different question today. What's on your mind, Heather? Like, what's what's given you grief or joy in the last week since we've seen each other? What's been what's been on your plate? Anything bothering you? Anything making you feel good? Um, my I haven't got a lot of sleep lately. No sleep. Why? Because. My son's teething right now. Oh. So he likes to wake up at like three or four o'clock in the morning, hang out for a little bit, and then Teeth- so. teething is something that I understand in concept. <laughs> but I I don't think I've ever been around the child who's been going through teething because I don't have kids of my own. So I don't really know what that entails. It just it's them crying or happy or just not wanting to just and like they're in pain. Their gums are swelling, mm. so teeth are growing. It's very interesting so. life habits. Horrible. I know. Just, so their teeth are coming to running hurts. So he wants to hang out with mom. Mm. So I go hang out with him. Mm. <laughs> Except when you dump him off on your on your parents, so you can go to the brew fest. Yes. But we'll get to yes. that in just a minute. <laughs> Kev, what about you? What's on your mind this week, man? What's, um, uh... It's getting to be that time of year. Uh, work is running me pretty ragged. Certainly, mm. uh, I can't really remember the last time I had a true like day off. Two in a row certainly is out of the question. Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully that'll stop. <laughs> stop soon but uh the joy of my life is i i can look around and i see how much i don't want to say better my life is but how compared to a lot of other people's problems i don't really have too much to worry about right now mm. so at the end of the day for as many small grievances i may have and i may be a little tired out like what do i really have to complain about in the scheme of things fair life that's is good. all right good well that's good to hear that's good <laughs> to hear uh your boy i mean i gotta say and we've talked about this on the show before Feeling a little bit like I'm uh, heading to the depression spiral last few days. Oh yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I'm getting Coming around again. I kind of feeling that way a little too. I can to yourself, but I can feel that right now. I can. I noticed it just because I am taking a longer time to do everything lately. Mm-hmm. Like I woke up this morning really early and then really didn't do anything for like an hour and a half. Like just sort of 
like time sucked reading the news. Yeah, but like you're on vacation. I feel like 90 minutes when you first wake up is a fine amount of time to allot yourself when you've got the day off. I guess. I, it doesn't seem like... It's not normally a day off for me, though, right? You mean like Mondays, generally, I'm used to waking up and going to work. It's very rare mm. that I'm on like vacation, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm still. It still feels weird on a Monday to be like, God, I didn't do anything until like ten thirty, eleven. God, I feel so lazy today. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you should enjoy it. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you're good. Yeah, just yeah. So I gotta do something for real. <laughs> Stop crying. Like I would love to not do anything until eleven o'clock. That doesn't do, see. That doesn't does make that me. Like? That doesn't make me feel good though. It makes me feel like a like a schlub. Like I. That's because you're inside your own head too much and you're beating up on yourself you're for things that are outside of your control. Yeah. And you're also, you feel weird because you're not working, but this is time that they've allotted you, so what else can you do? It's a fair point. Besides, uh, I mean, you get to sleep in, you don't wake up with, you know, rock and roll bands outside your door <laughs> in your day off, <laughs> playing playing the music. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was quite, uh, I felt bad for you. We'll, we'll get into that in, in just a little bit. Cool. Um, so, guys, we, uh, we did something, speaking of breaking new ground, we did something uh, that has yet to happen since you've been on the show, Heather. We all went to the same event at the I same know, time. It was so Ooh. nice to see you guys. False. We all went to the movie together. Or not together, but we were all at... Oh, what was Franklin. the first movie we did this summer? Oh, the Franklin oh, Square oh, film Franklin series? Square. We were at Back to the Future together. Oh, that's right. But that that's was expected. True. That was expected. This was an unexpected, unexpected. meetup. I did oh, not okay. expect to see you at the Brewfest, although I don't know why I didn't expect you to oh, see I you there. I knew they'd be out there. Um, <laughs> what did you guys think of the Brewfest, by the way? Real quick, Utica Zoo Brewfest was... Um, I feel like it was a huge success for them, at least. I feel it was a huge, maybe a huge success for them because they sold out, but I was disappointed. Really? A little bit. Was too many people for you? No, I just feel like they didn't have enough beer. Like Not enough beer. beer. Like, good good beer. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know what to say. Like, usually there's some, like, stuff I like. There was only, like, one beer, hmm. actually. Not a lot of... How many did you get to try? I tried a few, but I like, like, Saison's and Sours, and sure. they mm-hmm. only had, like, sure. one sour in the whole... Yeah. So I kept going back, like, one? Yeah. Did I get <laughs> one more? One more? So... I don't know. I don't. I felt like there was just like it was lacking something this year. Hmm. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Brewfest? Um, I thought I had a really good time. Um, I'm glad I went. It was my first Brewfest, and I thought that Gary and his whole team up at Utica Zoo and Mike Beck and everybody else did a mm. great job. Yes. They did almost four thousand people, which is crazy for them. They only made three thousand of those glasses, and they ran out early. Six fifteen is when they're saying they roughly ran out. The yeah. And opened at six. They opened at six, so by six fifteen they had three thousand people. And the one thing that I wish I would like to see them do different, um, I wish there was a map for the different Mm. breweries. And I understand that a lot of that stuff is probably like done in the 11th hour, and so there's not time to print something. But there were a lot of breweries on the list that I would have wanted to get to, but I didn't know where they were. And the crowd was so big that you can't really Mm. go looking that hard. But I mean, with that being said, I got to try a bunch of amazing beers. I saw a ton of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw so many people there. It, oh, was, yeah. it, was, it seemed like and the whole was, damn city was out there. And it was nice, too, because normally you have to wait a long time in line to get in there. They were moving that line right along, and you got in there really fast this year. And they're Where? Into Brewfest. Oh, when, by the time we got there, we took the shuttle up. There wasn't a line. We probably no, got there, there wasn't like, this year. That's what I was saying. Oh, normally, okay. there's like a wait, but they were so well organized. They were mm-hmm. very organized this year. Uh, matter of fact, uh, this is from the OD reporting. Uh, Saturday's turnout was actually uh, more than six times the number for the first festival. So that gives you an yeah, idea. Man. It's it's great that they're growing. They've got a lot of like a lot of things to solve for next year. Yes, but they're they all, do. But they're all good problems to have. Yes, you know yeah, they I are mean? good. They, great problems to have because it really did seem like this year was almost, I want to say like at capacity. Like there was a lot of people in there, and yeah. we walked around, and even us walking around, I felt a little bit like there's a lot of people here, and there's no real central 
like way to move around without going well, because through. a lot of the zoo's grounds is like pathways yeah it's not set up for that so yeah, there's yeah. not too many big centralized areas but there's definitely some spots down near um the children's areas and down towards the sea line area that they could um yes. more fully mm. leverage next time you know what i mean but what were your thoughts about the animals just being like around during the event i feel like the lions had to be very confused at why everyone is drunk and like loud, and there's more people there than normal late at night. It's gotta be weird for the animals, right? Yeah, it does. I'm sure it's a little bit disorienting. <laughs> it's, it's good that they have the animals because you can't really call it like brew at the zoo if you don't have the animals out there. Gotta have the animals. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I definitely did get a good look at that lion and that vulture, which was pretty cool. I like yes. that vulture. Also, the goats right out there making friends. They always make goats. I don't. I don't. I. I think goats are a scam. I'm gonna throw this out there. Goats know how to utilize the system. They don't care about you. They just want those pellets. They just know that if they stand up and put their head to the fence, they're going to get fed. They're not interested in the human aspect of, like, being um, seen. So what are you saying? The other animals in the zoo want to get to know you as a person? <laughs> like, I'm sure the lions would like to get to know you. I want to get to know you. I think the lions would probably get to know me as a person. Uh, so, uh, let's move on to some other stuff, shall we? Want to move on to something else? Yeah. Brewfest, I gave it a uh, thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. That yeah, man, fun. absolutely. Yeah, good times. Um... So, we've been talking about politics a lot on the show for the last few weeks because, as I've mentioned, I feel like a lot of the news is dominated by politics. Uh, however, this week, uh, the president, Donald Trump, is on vacation. He started his vacation this week Shocker. for 17 days. Uh, so, I figured this gives us a good opportunity to take a vacation uh, from President Trump. How's that feel for you guys? feels incredible. Uh, the only thing I will say is I really enjoyed uh, former Mexican President Vicente Fox trolling him on Twitter this week. Uh, I believe the direct tweet was, leaving on vacation, huh? Well, if, <laughs> if you're not happy with your job, you can always just leave. Uh, echoing the comments uh, that Trump said about upstate New York not too long ago. So that was a good troll. I like Vicente Fox. I kind of wish he was like, I wish he wasn't the former president. It's kind of fascinating. He's uh, Vicente Fox, not not generally super well loved by the Mexican people. No, um, he's uh, he was another very backwards, um, conservative, like regressive type yeah, yeah. person. But he always generally did pretty well in the media. He played well. I remember seeing him on the Daily Show years ago, and he mm -hmm. was pretty interesting. And um, I read some stuff about him in the in the interim. But I like the fact that this guy's using his retirement to just troll uh, <laughs> Donald Trump for being a big baby just because it's funny when people do stuff. Yeah. I just like to see people do wild stuff. Uh, now, technically, this is the first vacation that Donald Trump has taken as oh, president. I didn't know that. Uh, although he has spent 58 of his 195 days in office at various uh, resort locations, those haven't been considered vacations oh, necessarily. Uh, let's move on from that. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Yeah, we're done. We're wasting. You said the one thing real quick, and I can't wait to go on vacation uh, from the president because it's the worst, and I read enough about it when we're not here. But he did say that thing where if people don't like it in upstate New York, there's no jobs coming, so move away from here and get jobs. So basically, he encourages everybody, if they want a better future and better economic life, to move away from upstate New York. Yeah, how about that? Trump said that's what people should do. So what I would be interested to find out is what our dear representative, Claudia Tenney, thinks of her god emperor telling people to move out of her mm -hmm. district. So if she'd like to come on the show and answer that for me, <laughs> or meet me any any place, any time, to debate publicly about that and many other things, get at me on Twitter, slide into the DMs. Go ahead. Also, if you're looking for a good go laugh, uh, you can go... There's a there's a, a backlog uh, Trump tweet that's been making its way around talking about how if you really like your job, you don't take vacations. They so. have a website. There's like Trump tweets for everything. Like for everything he says, he's put out a tweet criticizing Obama for doing the same thing. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's move on from that. That's already more than yes. I wanted to talk about that this week. Uh, let's move on to uh, some local news. How's that sound for you guys? That sounds great. Uh, so, guys, what do you think about uh, the Bag Square District? Uh, this Monday, uh, yesterday, I guess, uh, Anthony Brindisi, Assemblyman Brindisi, was down uh, downtown making the announcement that Bag Square East is now added to the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, now, Bag Square East had been on the state's um, on the state's list of historic places, but now uh, it's effectively a national, nationally recognized historic place. What are your thoughts on this about Bag Square East being recognized like this? Um, well, it's nice to know that that's something that won't be torn down, but something yeah. in place of it. That's kind of what you I, know what I mean, and just and the amount of work that they've been doing down there to make it better in the community and grow. So it's it is nice mm. to know that something like that is not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, ever. I think it helps. Right, the the Bag Square thing. One of the big issues, not issues, one of the big points of Bag Square revitalization is to get more people to come visit it by putting you know by being on the national you know the national registry of historic places. That really does put more eyes on the location as an actual tourist location. Are they talking about the specific little um, old stone tavern in the stone walls next to the Children's Museum? Or is like the whole uh, it's the actual district. two, three yeah. block district? Yeah, Because that's interesting because a lot of those buildings are not historical in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. A lot of buildings that are not very, are not very old comparatively. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, a, I think the Bag Square thing is a little bit of a problem at large when it comes to a marketing and branding standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because you say Bag Square, but like really, so you've got the street that like Taylor and Utica Coffee and stuff are on, and then they also call Bag Square where the Children's Museum and like mm-hmm. the hardware building are, and those aren't really, because of mm-hmm. the way we've built the streets above them, that's not really the same mm-hmm. right. thing. Well, what they're referencing... It doesn't feel like What they're least. specifically referencing is Bag Square East, uh, the district running south from Union Station along Catherine and 2nd Street to Oriskany Plaza. So the East... Bag Square East is actually the section that got the National Registry list. Okay. I don't know where that cuts off or what that implies. Yeah, I'd have to see a map to yeah. know exactly what they mean. Um... It, it's good for the businesses that are there, though, so I'm, I'm happy for... For sure, this for, is a good move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm ha- talking about Bag Square as a whole. It's a weird thing mm-hmm. to call, like... Uh, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I wonder what else is on our... We probably have more stuff on the National Registry of Historic Places here that I'm for sure. totally spacing out on. I'm surprised the brewery's not, almost to a certain extent. Maybe um, they are, for the fact that I don't even know. Okay. Well, no, we're not. We're not for either, actually. Mm. Um, the problem, that surprises me. Well, the problem with us, uh, specifically, is that we've, we've continued... I mean, not problem, but... We've continued to grow, mm-hmm. and we've continued to add on buildings, you know what I mean? So we're not just doing all the same stuff mm-hmm. out of one base historic center. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, our tour center building has had modifications, you know, over the years. That used to be the bottling and packaging plant, where you go in to take a brewery tour yeah, of yeah. the bar now. Used to be bottling and packaging, and a lot of that stuff was redone in the 40s and the 50s um, in the Victorian style and stuff like that, too. You know what I mean? So I think it hasn't been consistently just one thing in one building for long enough to make it. Sure. But we do definitely have a ton of them around here. There's a lot both uh, in the city of Utica and the surrounding areas. You see them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know what they So, guys, this is another cool story, actually. Uh, shout out to GFOP uh, Alex Giroud. Uh, Giroud. I can't screw his name up. He's been on the show. He's a great guy. writes for the OD. He wrote this article earlier this week about the construction crew uh, in in Utica, who made a discovery near the north and south arterial. Um, while doing some work Wednesday at the site of the former Nice and Easy at Court Street and State Street, crews uncovered what appeared to be a brick well or holding tank, uh, which they didn't really know what it was, uh, and now they're saying it could have been part of the former Oneida Brewery, which was located at the site from 1832 to 1940, which is pretty cool. 
I like the idea of digging up the streets and finding all the interesting hidden stuff underneath. Makes you wonder what else is. Makes you wonder how much stuff is under. I've yeah, heard. Yeah, how much other stuff is underneath? I've heard mm. rumor that there's a tunnel system. Ooh, mm. that would be If any, if any listeners know anything about it, shout us out because we'll go to an episode live from yeah, the, the catacombs. <laughs> the catacombs. Uh, um, or at least we'll make a Maiden Utica video of us exploring the catacombs. But yeah, I hear that if you go down digging around in Proctor Park and you know where to look, you can find an entrance into some tunnels that connect a lot of different spots in the city. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is, but like that. this place that. has been here for a very long time. We've mm-hmm. built on top of a great many things. Uh, well, this is actually from OD historian Frank Tomano. Uh, he said the brewery was founded by a guy named George Ralph, who's an Englishman who made English ale. This is the quote. When the Germans started coming into West Utica around the 1840s, they began to make lager beer. Up until that time, English ale was the beer made in Utica, and the Oneida Brewery was one of the places that brewed it. Um, so there you go. It was an older style of beer. I don't know what the difference in so English ale is. FX Matt and the boys came in and tossed them out with the lager. Mm. Uh, Utica Club is a lager. Mm. Um, I'll do, the people certainly don't want to listen to it, but I'll explain ales and lagers afterwards. <laughs> good. good. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of cool. I'm trying to think of anything that I... I always thought as a kid that I would like dig in my backyard and find dinosaurs because I was such a dinosaur nerd. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that like the topography of New York and what used to live here would not doesn't work that way. Like, I remember digging down underneath the porch in the backyard at my parents' house when I was a really little kid. And about a foot down, I found um, a wrestling action figure <laughs> with no head. <laughs> and that was the most I'd ever found. The I don't, o- never found anything. The only thing I've ever found was I went to a... There's a guy who was a friend, he was my, my sister's friend's dad, right? So at my sister's friend's house, and they had this big pool in the back, and it was surrounded by stones, like these stones they brought in. And I was looking through the stones, and one of them had a trilobite on it, and that was the only thing I've ever found. I don't know if you guys know what a trilobite is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're an old prehistoric creature. You can look it up on your phone later. They're kind of cool. That was the only thing Their I've ever found. fossils are super common. You find a lot Very of, like, common. Tri- I mean, relatively common compared to, you know, velociraptors. Right, right. Trilobite fossils are not in high demand. We'll put it that Speaking way. Speaking of things fine, did you guys hear that they found a time capsule at the Odd over the weekend? No, I did, did not they? hear They this. found it from, like, when it was first built, and it had in there a newspaper clipping. What type of, what year are we talking about? Like, the Odd, the first original construction of it. They found uh, yeah, a film they had mm. it re- made, like, like a, like an actual footage of them building it. Huh. You shouldn't hmm. look it up. No, they just found the. That's time really. Cool. I wonder what year that's from. Because I don't like, know. I think I it was like nineteen, like forty eight or fifty eight or oh, something. Oh, that's like, wild. They have the old hmm. mayor signing for the odd to be built and ever built and everything. We did a time capsule when I was a kid in elementary school. Like they did it for like it was like a ten year thing. Like we're gonna leave it in the school, and then in ten years the next class will find it and they'll do it. You know, wherever it was. And I don't remember what I put in it. I think it was probably like some sort of Power Ranger, right? Like something. <laughs> Some sort of like pop culture thing from the time. You're like, this is what we were into at the time. Mm-hmm. You guys have to look it up though. It's really cool, and the video is really cool too. Watching the construction mm-hmm. of the odd and everything. All right, uh, guys, you ready to? Uh, you guys ready to get to this week's interview? It's a really uh, again the first time we ever done anything like this uh, for this week's interview. We brought in the old Maine, who will be playing this Thursday uh, at six p.m. I guess is the start time for Saturday. Six p.m. Six. The doors at five thirty. Music starts at six. Uh, so the old Maine, I'd sn- I. Shout out to GFOP uh, Tom Knudsen for getting me in touch with these guys. Uh, great lads. Had a great conversation with them. Uh, also, they were nice enough to bring over their gear and do sort of a quasi-acoustic performance in the studio, which is the first time ever, the first live performance in the Utica studios on the same mic that we use to record uh, our hot, hot takes. Uh, now, it's important. <laughs> it's, it's important. I've- 
Go, go ahead. You want to go ahead? I'm going to go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead. Um, so like I was talking about, man, it's, it's getting towards the end of summer. Work's running me ragged. I enjoy the days off when I can get them. It's nice to be able to stay in bed for a little bit. And so I had Sunday off. And Sunday was, oh, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait till Sunday. I'm going to have the day off. It's Saturday night. I'm home. I'm talking to Sam. He's like, oh, hey, just so you know, um, I know this is probably annoying, but the old man is going to come over tomorrow morning for a podcast interview. They're going to be over here about 9, 930 in the morning. I'm like, Oh, okay, you know, they'll be right outside my bedroom door. My bedroom is right <laughs> off yeah. the studio. But I'm like, well, people are talking. You get the fan on. It doesn't matter. You probably won't hear them anyway. He's like, yeah, cool, cool. And there's a little pause. He goes, also, I think maybe they might be performing music. And you could tell by the way he said it that they were for sure going to be performing music. Kind of. Now, mind you, I had forgotten, so I'm laying in bed, and it's about 9 o'clock on Sunday. Do the thing when you wake up, and you're rolling around, and you go back to sleep and take a nap in a minute. I finally start to doze back off a little bit, and all of a sudden I hear, I, I didn't hear anybody sound check, I didn't hear a single note until one, two, three, four, and the old man launches into this song. I think the drummer was right up against my bedroom door. He was not. And I'll tell you what, for as annoyed as I was that this thunderous American folk bluegrass explosion was happening in uh, my dining room and I couldn't sleep, they sounded really good. They were That uh, upright bass sounded amazing. It's, really right into the house. it's funny, because they, I was talking to, that was, um... That's Nash. Nash Robb is yeah, a bass yeah. player. Uh, and it's funny because he had come into the house sort of talking about how he put new strings on this stand-up bass and he wasn't exactly sure mm-hmm. what he was going to get out of it. And then afterwards, I remember listening to be like, oh yeah, these strings are... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was really, he was really excited about it. No, so that was my old man story. I was uh, I was woken up by the old man yeah, performing. It was quite that. an alarm clock. Yeah, we'll be all right. At the, least it wasn't like the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would never be the bomb. Uh, I'm getting the bomb on here next week. You can interview him. They're going to uh, play Disturbed covers for you. I'm, I'll be fine. Uh, I'll be disturbed, certainly. Um, no, I have to say this. Uh, you know, uh, Seth and Nash and Mitch were really, really great guys to They're talk to. They're all super nice guys. We had them play the Brewers Fest, the, Roots, yeah. the New York State Brewers yeah. Fest we did. They were phenomenal. Yeah. Super, super nice guys. It was a pleasure to have them in here. Uh, so we're going to play the entire interview, and then through, uh, and then I edited it so we could go right into the song. So interview, right into the song. We'll be back in just a moment. Unsettling as well. Yep. Like, yeah. I don't know what it has to do with sports. Sam, I watch zero sports. No sport. <laughs> I sport. I sport as I don't sport. Um, I feel like none. Nash used to sport. None, none of us, of us sport. sport. Like, none of us are even close to sports. I would like to pretend I'd love to be one of the cool kids who's just like, hey man, you catch that Red Hawks game last night? No. Yeah! That was so awesome. <laughs> like, oh yeah, they scored and it was great. And I have no idea what the. 
<laughs> yeah, Anyways, no, talking about it's it's weird because I grew up watching sports. My old man is like a he's a goomba Italian. We used to watch the Yankees and we used to watch the Giants. But I hate the Giants. Uh, but <laughs> I think but it was funny as a kid because I would play in these punk bands with like my with Kevin and the crew. And we'd go to yeah. these punk rock shows and they'd be Saturday Sunday. And I remember once I walked up to this guy because it was like the pre cell phone era, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone not everyone had smartphones. We all yeah. flip phones still. And I walked up to somebody in another band at a show and I was like, Hey man, do you know who won the Yankee game today? And the guy looked at me like, I was like, he's like, what? He's like, are you kidding me? You're in a band. You're not supposed to like music, man. You're supposed to sports, man. I'm like, I am allowed to like things. I don't, like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, uh, guys, I appreciate you coming uh, into the studio. Uh, we have, I hope I get all your names right, uh, Seth Baker, uh, Nash Rob, and Mitch Eckler of The oh, Old Mate. Almost. Ooh. Almost. My name is Becker. Becker. It's, it's an E. Yeah. Becker. Becker. And I have beard trimmings on my shirt. Like the TV show with uh, Ted Danson. Yes. All right, Becker. Good. Yes. Ted Danson. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there All right, go. and I, I feel like I have to apologize to you guys uh, immediately as you guys came in because I uh, put up a thing on Twitter earlier. I was like, hey, the old man's coming by. You got any questions for us? Slide into the DM, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I posted a picture, and there were four of you guys in the picture. Were there once four of you in this band? Uh, we have. Oh, there's a the story start? here. Did you have like a fourth Green Day member who doesn't get credited but is also there in the <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's okay, a perfect cool. way to put it. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like we kind of have like, we're like the three <laughs> core dudes, and then we kind of have this rotating musician, fourth musician. <laughs> yes. That like really sometimes really we'll have a banjo player, sometimes we'll have a pedal steel player, and it's mm-hmm. just like, hey, Dusty, can you make it to the show? He's just like, no, I'm fly yes. fishing. So we call up Pat. <laughs> Pat, can you make it to the show? He's no. just like, no, I'm in Binghamton. Uh, no, I'm playing with a real band tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair. We had, uh, we had rotational guy like that. He yeah. was the keyboard player slash guitar player mm-hmm. slash just stand there in the back and sing something slash just get out of here for a minute. You had, sla- yeah. you had slash in your band? Oh, twice. Please. I would, that'd be amazing. Like, more of a buckethead guy if we're oh, really okay. going to get into that. Conversation. <laughs> um, so guys, it's a real pleasure to have you in here. And because we've never had any you guys on before separately mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna do a quick uh interview with each of you guys real quick just to get a quick backstory before okay. we get into the band questions uh so i guess i will start with uh who's the singer since you guys all right seth since you're the most important person here seth singer, baker everybody seth, seth, seth baker, seth, baker. <laughs> uh, seth, it's a pleasure to have you uh, you were listed on the website as uh banjo harmonica vocals and guitar is that correct that's correct mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to start initially, Seth, where are you initially from? Were you born in the area? Or born um, I was born, raised, and still live in Remsen. Remsen? Yep. Very nice. Did you go to, you went to school in there? Went to school in Remsen. Where's Remsen? The Red Dragons? Well, they actually, in, in the 1920s, we were the Red Dragons, and then the name was changed to the Rams. The Rams? For some reason. It's such a more lame name. <laughs> it's like, the Remsen Red Dragons. We're Welsh, <laughs> like, we should be the Red Dragons, but nope. You they have kind of a it. red dragon vibe going on right now. I'm very Welsh, and I'm very ginger. Yeah. <laughs> what, what meeting did you have? Like, what was the meeting where they're like, okay, look, everybody, we're going to change <laughs> We're gonna change our, our school mascot. Oh, really? From what to what, Ted? And <laughs> Ted's like, I think we're going to use a ram. I think it's more appropriate. And everybody said yes to There's that? no rams in Remsen. Like, it's not like it's... Like tied to the community at all. Every uh, barn it, has a dragon on it. I know. It's, it's true. already there. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, uh, we like to ask this question a lot. I grew up in uh, Utica as a Proctor High School kid, so yep. I got hit with a lot of the stereotypes of being like a hood rat scumlord, right? Okay. And that's kind of, you know, we embraced that at Proctor. Yep. What was the what was the stereotype for Remsen folks? And do you feel like... Uh, everyone think- is related, and it's true. Is it... <laughs> It's like uh, there, there's two halves of Remsen. There's there's the Williams half and there's the Roberts half, and I'm from the Williams half. 
so you so you went to high school out there. You did that whole yep. thing. Were you playing music at all back then? Or yes, you... I was in the high school band. I played percussion. I'm an ex drummer. Nice. And uh, then me and a couple of my friends started a band, and it was kind of like uh, like indie punk band. What was the name of this indie punk? I'm so curious. <sighs> First first name <laughs> was Blue Fire with a Y. Ooh, fire. Oh, and and, and the logo was a blue phoenix that I spray painted on the bass drum. Mm, that's pretty good. And then that went to a 65-foot drop for some reason. 65-foot. Is that a re- That's a really It's really We tried to, like, reference. do... Yeah, we tried to do, like, the weirdest indie name we could, and that's what we came up with. Wow. Lasted, like, a month. And then we did Urban Shoreline, which we're not sure why, because we're from the middle of Norway. We're from nowhere. I don't hate Urban Shoreline. Yeah, like, that was a cool name. So that (laughs) That one stuck. That one stuck for, like, a year and a half, and, like, Nash joined the band, and then that band Mm -hmm. broke up. That's, like, the name of a broken social scene song. Yeah. Urban Shoreline? Yeah. I think it's, like, um... Well, that's pretty good. Uh, I have to say, like, I think it's always good. Your first band names are always telling. I think when I had my first band Mm -hmm. back in the day, the early days, I was just like a Blink-182 nerd, so it was like, I'm going to find a cool word and then slap (laughs) a miscellaneous number at the end. So I think my band was like, Comet 732 or something like that, right? Uh, And then I think we played a band called Jinxed, and we had to debate whether that I was going to be a Y. Okay. Yeah, we weren't really sure. This is pre-Twitter, so now you would just go check whatever Twitter handle is available. It's like, that's now how we spell the names of the bands. Uh, All right, very cool. I'm going to... I'm gonna start uh, finishing with this one, and we're gonna move on. Okay. What would you say was your first big like musical experience when you noticed music is an important part of like your life? Actually, I have like a very specific moment. I was I was driving. Well, I wasn't driving. My dad was driving, and I think I was 14, and we were driving to pick up wood, and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan mm. popped up on the radio, no trouble. and it was Pride and Joy, and we we're just kind of talking about music and how he likes Steve Ray Vaughan and Led Zeppelin and everything. And I was just like, man, that's what I want to do. So I became like a really bad blues guitarist for a couple years. <laughs> Smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nash, I'm going to move on to you. Uh, and I have to say, I'm a big wrestling guy, as you noticed, and came in the house. I have belts. I have all sorts of wrestling figures. Yep. Uh, so when I thought your name was Nash, my first thought was that it's related to Kevin Nash from professional wrestling. <laughs> no. Somehow, I assume it's not. No. Uh, you are a bass player. <laughs> I am, yeah. My Actually, my name is Nashua. Nashua? That's, yeah. That's a, I like that name. Thank you. It's pretty good. That's a yeah. cool name. It's, uh, a, it's like a famous person. It is like a famous person. Like Nashua Rob. We're trying. Because <laughs> uh, you know, because and I have to say it, most people would assume that if they saw that, that someone had spelled it backwards. It's Rob Nashua, right? That's your oh name, right? God. Like you assume, yeah. Kids now up at bat, Rob Nash. And like the whole crowd at hometown games was like, it's the other way around. All like, my life. Yeah. I corrected a guy once when I was playing baseball as a kid. It was like Ed Hinko. It's like, now batting, Sam Fook. <laughs> From all the road. I'm like, it's Arrow. Arrow. Next kid. It's like, all right. I struck out right after Tell that. Yeah. Same. Uh, same here. So, Nash, uh, I'm going to assume that you were not born and raised in Remsen as no, well? Okay. Where were not. you born and raised? I was born in Utica. can't remember the hospital. But um, <laughs> I was raised in Vernon Center. Vernon Center. So, yeah. where'd you go to high school? I went to VBS. VBS. Yeah. Hmm. Are you in my age range? Are you in the 30s? You 31? No. 2012. 2012. I'm about okay. to turn 24. Oh, God, you're so young. <laughs> so he's like the millennial of the band. Oh, I'm 25. Oh, so you're both millennials. Are, are you the only one who's in my age range? I'm 30. Good for you. <laughs> Can you he's I, the old man. He's married. What are, you, what, what are you least looking forward to to 30? This is for both of you guys, I assume. To 30? Yeah, because I can tell you right now once you're done. You know what? 
I gotta be honest, I'm look, not looking that far ahead yet. Good, smart. So yeah, it's very millennial. It's like yeah. my knee, my my knees and my back already hurt, <laughs> and like I've already lost like the lust for life. So uh, I feel like I'm already there. That's good. You're yeah. you're you're leaning into it. It's yes. very cynical of you. I'm uh, a little bummed though that 24 has no milestones. Really, 25 I get you know wait. Like insurance discounts. Or, yeah, and then a, you can rent a car. You rent a car. Yeah. Rent a car. Yeah, too. that's yeah. true. But uh, <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. So, uh, what was your VBS experience like? Were you out there? Were you were you a sports guy? Were you a uh, yeah? Guy? Uh, I was uh, always on the outside of groups. I was a weird kid. Weird um, kid. Interesting. Yeah, still am. But well, how so? Like, what did you did you have like a crew out there? Or were you just sort of like loner kid? Were you like I had a crew. I had a crew that uh, was based around Vernon Center because I'd hang out with those guys mm. um, just outside of school and sure. all. But I floated from group to group for a while. Yeah. Um, I was like. Junior, senior, athlete of the year, all that stuff. I did sports like a lot. Loved it. Now, were you playing music at all at this point in time? Um, casually. Casually. I had a Excel black four-string bass that mm-hmm. would uh, collect dust in the corner. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, because even just from watching you play a little bit earlier out here, it's obvious you're pretty adept at playing. So it's you. Did you pick it up quickly if you didn't start off with it, or was it something you just fell into? Like, oh, I like this. <laughs> it was thrown at me because thrown at the dust collector I talked about By the me. Excel. <laughs> yeah, I actually picked up a, an electric guitar later. Learned went from electric to acoustic. Oh yeah. And then met him a few years later. This is very brief. Um, no. And he threw an upright bass at me before yeah, yeah. our first <laughs> appearance at the tram. Yep. Hey, the tram. I love the tram. Yep. Shout out to Robin. She's the best. Yeah. Oh, she is. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. She's great. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, then I. I was like, here, play this, and he was like, well, okay, I want to be in a band, and like, <laughs> and I didn't have fingertips for the next six months. Can I yep. tell you, I, I, I feel for you right there. That's that's where I was. I was in a band. My first band had three guitar players and a bass and a drummer, and somebody, <laughs> somebody had, had to make the switch. Somebody had to make the switch, so I got rid of my Fender, uh, my starter Squire for a starter Squire bass pack. And there you was, go. That's where you go. Nice. So I feel you. I actually, you know what's funny though is I. I got back into bass in my late 20s. I played mm-hmm. guitar for many years and sang, and then after the band sort of broke up, I did everything I could possibly do to not do what I did before. That. I was like, no more singing, no more guitar, no more songwriting. Like, I'm only going to do weird stuff, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time I got back into bass, and I sort of, it's sort of become my favorite thing to play now. If I have to pick something in a band, there's something about that sort of intricacy of playing it. And I'm not even a great bass player, but there's something about it that doesn't, get totally appreciated by non-musicians, yes. I think, sometimes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It hold it like it kind of just glues everything together. It's like the bridge between the drum and the rest of the instruments mm. because it just plays both parts. <laughs> that ties yeah. into another funny story. I like to hike a lot. I'm You're a hiking guy. Outdoorsy. <laughs> and uh, one time my friends and I went up to um, was it the Seward Range, way up north, and I forgot or it was miscommunication that we had a gig that day. No, forgot. Yeah, he totally <laughs> forgot. Yeah, no, forgot. Just totally forgot. Trying to keep it ambiguous. <laughs> no, let's not keep it ambiguous. We forgot that we had a show. <laughs> and I was on a high peak, and that's when I got mm. service, and everyone in my group, all their phones went off. Oh, that's kind of weird. Oh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> what is a comet headed this way? Uh, it's a flash flood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a tough one. Hey, listen, the bass players are good for that though. It's good for taking the taking the brunt of it. The yeah. end of that story is that Seth and I <laughs> got into the got into our van and we drove to a show and <laughs> Seth and I played a show as drums and guitar. Mm. We played two <laughs> hours and got called back for two encores. Yeah, and it was just drums and guitar and it's acoustic guitar. Yeah, and it's like. 
Yeah, we're like white stripes in it right now, like, and people are freaking loving it. <laughs> it was it was at a, like at a brew fest, so they had been drinking mm-hmm. all, day. all day. We're the last band at a brew yeah. fest. Smart. <laughs> I had to call the promoter and tell her like, "Hey, this isn't what you paid for, you know, but we're coming. We're gonna. We're coming anyway. We're Our basis is just gone." You just <laughs> lost the You sent the Rangers in to get me. It, That's yeah. true. You <laughs> sent in the Rangers. Uh, I did. If yeah. you had service, I guess, I guess you should have your base. You could have just, like, Skyped in. That would have been pretty good. You could have held Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You could have uh, just yeah. acapella your base. Acap- <laughs> so I had boom, the... Boom, boom, boom. I had the, uh... <laughs> I had the Forest Ranger on the phone, and he was like... And I had called all of Nash's family. And I knew what they drove, who drove... Uh, the entire details about their trip, and I'm talking to the forest ranger, and like the forest ranger's like, "All right, I'm here. I got the car," and uh, and I'm like, "Okay, well, it it, it might be around there. Uh, I think they went to like a lean to or something." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, okay, well that's about five miles in, but I can start hiking if you want." <laughs> this, and by the way, the forest rangers, this is like the best thing that uh, that had, had oh, happened yeah. to them in a long time because oh, sure. they're like, it's oh, a boring t- job." Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, "Oh, cool, nobody's dead or like actually lost. You guys are just like missing a show right now. Great, this is." awesome we'll leave this up <laughs> yep. so he's like and I, at that point we were kind of past the point of no return like he would have had to have left and that yeah. from where he was in like the next 15 minutes in order to even conceivably make the show so i said no nah, don't bother don't hike it after him. i said but i want you to leave a note <laughs> i want i want him to know when he gets back to the car I found you. <laughs> you can run. You can you can try. But I'm gonna I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna find you. Yep. Uh, I guess this seems like a good time to transition here to you, Mitch. Uh, yeah. I have to ask you right off the bat. First okay. off, uh, when I was looking up your info on the website, you have a nickname of Creepy Uncle. I think you need to explain this nickname to me. His, his mother hates it. I can't believe it's still up. There. It's still up. There. I didn't. I did not take it. Yeah, down. we're not gonna take it down. We're not gonna take it down. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's because I'm 30. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's because I'm older. Er. <laughs> and that's why. And I bought the van, so I. It makes van, sense. Older. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's listed, that's that's missing from this equation is like a a bottle of Lubriderm in the bar. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's funny. I am. I actually am an uncle, and I am creepy. So I think mm. that there's some real yeah. actual creepiness to me being an uncle because I have more like action figures than my nieces and nephews. Right, which, uh, yeah, which might, yeah, might I feel for you, man. I feel for you. I'm, I'm the deadbeat musician uncle, so. Yeah. And my 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 mother called me, and she because we had just uh, this is a long time ago, and we had just put up our live our website mm. live, and it actually still says creepy uncle even on our tech writer. It says creepy uncle, <laughs> which we think is we think it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> so and she calls me, and she's really upset. She was really concerned. She's like, I can't. Why do you have? Why, why, why could you do that? Why do you have this up there? People are gonna have like this misconception of you. She was like, just, just <laughs> spilling out all this information, disgusting. And I'm like, Mom, I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> so it's funny because I'm not a pedophile. I can say this because I have belief and confidence if, in the fact. If I, I was yeah. actually, uh, if I was actually a pedophile, if there was something wrong with me, I might be concerned. But I'm not. <laughs> Ergo, it's funny. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be more concerned when I use all my AI and CGI to convert this all into. I'm a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's gonna be great. The, cop, the, cop the, the magic of editing. I yeah. find it, it's not surprising to me that when I uh, talked to somebody on the phone from you guys, it was you, Mitch, because then I found out you were the drummer. And it, when we were in our band hierarchy back in the day, as the singer 
I didn't do anything that wasn't perform or show up and like be the guy. And it was always the drummer who was calling bands and, and people. Are you well, the guy who called? We people? all, all three yeah. of us. Are you all, good? Like, yeah. Yeah. We, we shared the load pretty good. Yeah. yeah, Nash used to be the super lazy one that didn't do anything. Sure. Yeah. But he's like stepped up a ton, and we just kind of like because we're just like all so close, and we kind of treat it as like a family unit. We try to kind of like make everyone do their part. That's and, fair. Like it. Yeah. It keeps everything kind if of on somebody, even like, keel. But if somebody cool. is not like. If somebody can't, it doesn't matter. Like we're just we're at the at this point. Like everybody knows at least one of us. Yeah. So they're gonna reach out to who they're most comfortable with yeah. to talk about something. Exactly. And it's like we ended up making we ended up building a relationship, uh, building a relationship with a booker. I was like, hey man, this would be really great. We'd love to have that conversation. He talked to Nash. Now they're yep. talking to each other. I haven't talked. I haven't See, talked to Eric in forever. See, that's kind of. It was always funny because like I, I used to think it was like magic where the shows would come from, right? Because I was just like writing, <laughs> I'm just like writing the songs and like helping yep. like be the, the handsome guy. And it's just yep. like, what did we, what did we book this show? Jay's like, I booked this like three weeks ago. Yep. And you're welcome. And it's like, all right, well, I don't know. It's just like show up, be on time. And do your job. Yeah, and be leave. handsome. Yeah, be handsome that was a big part of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that used to be Nash's job, but now yes. he's actually doing stuff. I'm trying. He's <laughs> very handsome. I'll give you that. Mitch, uh, uh, so I gotta ask you. Uh, I've asked everyone else. Where were you initially born from? I was born outside of Amsterdam, New York, which is uh, about 40 minutes east of 45 minutes east of here. Is that rural out there? Yeah, uh, we pretty much grew up in the same town, um, except it it was just. Yeah. There's just 40 miles in between them. Did yeah. you go to BBS as well? Or, or? No. Uh, it, just the, the same time. I might as well have yeah. gone to Remsen. <laughs> it, it's the, the story is almost the story is almost identical, um, yeah. except, uh, and I, I, let's see, my wife now, we dated in high school. Oh, that's nice. We might, there's a possibility that we're related at like, like mm. a third, <laughs> like a... Like a just hopefully not cousin, by blood. Just yeah. like a fourth cousin or okay. something like that. We're still trying to figure that one out, but I'm an Italian you can close the book. I'm, I'm very familiar with being oh, yeah. somewhat related to It's like you need to you need to like call up your like weird aunt that keeps track of everything and be like, Okay, I'm seeing this girl. <laughs> Am I related to her first last name? And these are her yeah, parents. You can hear the like, Sylvia. How do you know this woman? Yeah, like, <laughs> you can hear the pages. Yeah. Uh, You're good. Were, were you playing music as well growing up, or did that sort of come in later? In yeah, I um, my dad uh, my dad's always my dad's always played, and he mm. showed up um, one day. His I don't know. He traded like a, a rifle and a canoe for a drum set or something like that. Mm. And um, he said, "Yeah, I got you a drum set." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I don't, I don't play drums." Well, yeah. eight year old me is just like, "Yeah, sweet drums. All right. Yeah, get some stuff with a stick." Yeah, so exactly. um, Dad pulls in. He's like, "Yeah, well, I'm gonna go over and get it." So Dad shows up and he pulls in and there's like, it's it's just some shells and a bunch of like miscellaneous hardware and milk crates. And I'm like, "This isn't a drum set." <laughs> This is just a, this is a pile of shit. <laughs> so we put this thing together, and it was like it was spray paint, and it was it was it was just this Franken drum, perfect first drum set. Yeah, really perfect first yeah. drum set. And um, man, ACDC sounded awesome on that kit. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. So yeah, <laughs> so we loaded that into the basement, and then there was that summer because there's always like that summer where you're smart enough to be on your own and not light your house on fire. Sure. 
but you can't. Put a hole in the wall, you can't. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe put a hole in the wall. But you can't drive anywhere yet because you yeah. don't have a license. Mm-hmm. So you watch Return of the Jedi VHS and you play a yep. lot of ACDC on your uh, homogamous mixture of drums that's that you have in your basement. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's what uh, that was. There was like two summers there. Um, where uh, I went from not play, essentially not playing an instrument to like, oh hey, cool! I have like a couple of uh, a couple of people that live mm-hmm. close to me, and we're all gonna jam together and make yep. bands. What's crazy about the drums, and uh, I, I learned drums last of all the instruments I learned over my career. Like the last thing I learned was like, right on the way out the door. Smart move. It was like six months. I, I spent like six months and like went to my buddy's house and we were doing like Pink Floyd stuff and I would play drums with him. Mm. And what I found very fascinating about drums and almost kind of freeing for somebody who played guitar and bass for so long is the lack of notes. Right? The fact that I don't have to worry about like, oh, did I hit the wrong? You could just sort of be in the groove and just sort of ride with it, but you're also sort of, it's a strange sort of commanding but also riding presence that I, I really found very satisfying. It's a very yeah. satisfying instrument to play. Maybe well, the most satisfying of all the instruments. You hit something. You hit something. And it makes satisfying. a sound. Like yeah. it's so it's such a it has such a tactile there's and and I mean tactile by definition. Yeah. You're holding a stick. Yeah. You hit something with a stick and then it makes a, it reproduces a sound and whether or not that's what you're looking for mm. is up to you yeah. to change the angle of the stick. And it's like the oldest instrument and it's just like a very primal I'm hitting something makes big boom rhythm people mm-hmm. move to it like oog yeah. ug bang yeah um, so guys uh, let's move on to some uh, some more broad questions yes for you boys uh, and I guess the first question I gotta ask is I, I didn't notice this on the website my professional journalism skills are dropping today this morning it's very early on a Sunday so uh, yeah. when did you guys initially come together like when did you guys first start as a core unit I could tell the story yeah you yeah, go ahead yeah. tell the story yeah. Mitch so um my buddy, I was playing in a band uh, called Jason Davis and the New Philosophers when I first moved to when I first moved to Utica area, and uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a prog rock band, a uh, lot of weird time changes, but it was cool. My buddy Doug, w- who was playing bass in that band at the time, calls me up and he says, uh, "Hey, I'm going. I'm going to go see uh, Birdseed Bandits are over at the Dev tonight." And I'm like, "Oh man, okay." I'm like, "If Doug says that the Birdseed Bandits are good, then they got to be awesome." So uh, we show up, have a couple of beers. Come to find out, that was the last show that the Birdseed Bandits were ever gonna play. (laughs) (laughs) I saw the first show, the first time I met these guys was the last time the Bandits were ever gonna play. Also, shout out to Tim at the Dev. I miss the Dev as a venue. I love such a great venue for musicians. I know. Always treated people so so well. It was fun. It was such a fun venue. (laughs) Did you guys know right off the bat that it was something that you were? Was there a click moment? You were just like, it was actually uh, when Nash and I we had an apartment together up in Remsen, Mm. and we were kind of playing as a duo for a couple months after uh, the other band broke up and we were just like yeah we really want a drummer around this time I got shin splints mm. from playing drums with my feet yeah <laughs> so alright <laughs> um, so we had like one drummer come in and he was okay but then he moved away and then we had Mitch come in and before Mitch came came to uh, kind of audition quote unquote audition we kind of Nash and I talked and we were like we, we should, like, really kind of, like, feel this guy out. Like, not, like, give him too much of, like, a, oh, yeah, you're totally in. But, like, That's... right when we started playing that first practice, we nailed out, like, six songs that are the way we play them now. Sure. And they're just completely perfect. And then we're just like, yep, Mitch is good. He's in the band. He can hang out. And I think what's interesting about yeah. that, after, after like, a couple years went by, we first started, all of us started talking about that experience. And what was interesting about that is that we all... 
we were all going into it with that same idea in mind. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were like, okay, well let's really feel this guy out. Like we're not entirely sure if this is the yeah. direction that we want to go in. And I had the exact same concept in my head when mm-hmm. I went there as I was just like, all right, let's just like let's not get too excited. Like we'll yeah. just like let's just see how this is gonna go. Let's just play some songs and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like it might suck, it might be great. And like Seth said, we sat down, we we hammered out six songs. Everybody stood up and looked at each other like Okay, we, I guess, yeah, we I, guess we're, I guess we'll do this again. Yeah, right? but like yeah. A, a main thing that I guess we're, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, but like a main thing that we're looking for is can we hang out with this guy for the next mm. hundred years in yeah. a van? Yeah, and it's yep. just like we don't just we don't just play music together. Like we hang out outside <laughs> yeah. of the so, band. Yeah, so it makes it a huge a difference. Not like, a long way. Yeah. you know, you spend so much time in a car. So together. much time. Like, <laughs> so much time. So much time together. I. Uh, and that's, it's true though, because like honestly, like Kev, you know, Kev has been on the show for like uh, 112, uh, 111 episodes now. Mm-hmm. That you guys, this is one hundred eleven. Congratulations. Oh, awesome. Yeah, right. Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, me and Kev have the relationship we have because we spent so much time exactly. in a goddamn van sitting right. next to each other talking yep. about literally nothing. anything. Literally nothing. It's yeah. 111th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, I, I hate to hammer it home for, you know, we didn't have internet the way that there was now. Yeah. We were actually forced to be like, oh, you guys want to listen to an album all the way through because we yeah, have nine hours careful, on the Sam, You're graying now as you speak. <laughs> you probably, you, maybe you might want to get your cane. We didn't have the internet like you kids you got. Have, we had dial-up. We needed kids. to wait till they were off the phone. Sounds like robots <laughs> screaming at each other. <laughs> There's not another person in Maiden Utica who has leaned as hard into old age as I have. I'm like, I mean, I, mean, I lean so hard into Larry David, and I, I can't tell if it's just like, just, I'm tired of the world. I don't know what it is. Uh, so let me ask you guys this. Uh, this is an important one because I've had this debate. Why not just old Maine? Why did you guys add the? Is This is a, okay. big, this is a big one for me. This Why is, the okay. old Maine? When, when, we, when we were like discussing the name, well, we, uh, the, the name of the band is named after the asylum. Uh, downtown. Okay, right. Which is like the main building's called the Old Main. And we had this like <laughs> three day long deep discussion, Nash and I did, about if it should be the, the, or nothing. The, the, and we were just like around and around. And I'm like, we have a show coming up and I need to make a show poster for it. <laughs> and I need to put up a Facebook page. What are we going to call the band? And then I was just like, eh, screw it. I'm like, the Old Main. The yeah. Old Main, yeah. <laughs> we, like, I had, we had a debate. It was when we were the Blueprint. It was like, are we the blueprint or are we blueprint? blueprint? Yep. And uh, I always sort of argued for the at that mm-hmm. time. Now, as I get older, I cut the off everything. It's yeah. just Beatles now. I don't even care anymore. I'm just yep. like, yeah, I'm listening to Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, and like, at, like I was a like when I was my angsty like in my angsty times, I was like thinking like, oh, like I listen to the Killers, the Strokes. Like, oh, the Strokes. come on, like you need the the. You know what's fun <laughs> now? It makes people really uncomfortable is to add the to bands that don't have it. I'm going to see the Led Zeppelins. I do that all the time. That was a lot of fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on to Facebook, <laughs> the, 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 the Facebook, Facebook yeah, the internet, the, the yeah, Twitter, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you guys this question because we sort of, when I was playing back in the day, it was sort of a, a two pronged approach. Sometimes guys would come in with a song pretty much finished and be like, "Hey, I got this. I got this. What do you guys think of it?" Yeah. And then there were other times we would just be sitting around and it'd be a groove. What for you guys seems to be the the songwriting process in general? Yeah. Just- this is it's a little it's a little strange because when we first started, we're just getting to the point now where we're actually working on 
on whole songs from start to finish as three people. Mm -hmm. Because when we first started the band, there was like Seth and Nash had two full albums worth of material that was like kind of ready to go or some of the arrangements might like we had might have to rearrange some things or maybe write another verse or something like that but for the most part the concepts were already the concepts were laid Mm -hmm. down they were already there so this is the first time that we're starting to get into material that is requiring all three of us input Mm -hmm. in equal parts it's like I feel like we're seasoned so we're kind of still figuring some yeah. of that we're actually we're actually figuring out now yeah. as yeah. we're talking about we're like that makes sense, becoming though. a band more yeah. so it's like now I don't have to like write the song in my head write all the arrangements and everything be like okay now try it this way and kind of hope that it gets across yeah. but now that we've been in a band for a while it's kind of like if I bring my lyrics or my chords a or whatever snippet of something everything like, just yeah. kind of starts clicking because we yeah. just have been playing with each other for so long so it's like Everything just kind of falls into place now, which is great, you know, because it just takes the songs in a different way that you weren't expecting sure. in a good way. Well, I think that happens in general as you, in almost every band I've ever worked, and that seems to be the sort of general progression, yeah. right? Like, you come into it with these ideas, and you present the ideas, and it sort of helps give an idea of what you're going to sound like. And it isn't until later on that you're like, well, let's all do this together, right? Yeah. And that mm-hmm. it, that's also weird, too, because, you know, when I first started... I was the new guy. I was the ringer who got called mm-hmm. into a band because they got rid of their singer and they brought yep. me in. And within like two years, all of a sudden, me and the bass player are writing all the songs and not just yeah. being... It's it's sort of weird the way it sort of either naturally works out that mm-hmm. way or you Napoleon complex your way through it. Yeah. Kind of guy you <laughs> yeah, but like on that kind of... Uh, another big thing that makes this band work so well yeah. is during practice, and we practice every week and we try to keep like a pretty strict regiment, regiment mm-hmm. on it. We haven't lately as much, but we're it's kicking, after a while. yeah, we were recording a lot and everything, so it just kind of got a little weird. Well, that's like the question I was thinking about. I think about it with like sports teams, right? Like yeah. if, if you're on if you're on the Knicks, well, maybe not the Knicks. Knicks should practice all the time. But yeah. if you're on the Golden State Warriors, right, <laughs> and you're playing 81 games, are you practicing in between? Do you need to practice yeah. in between games? Yeah, you do. I guess you do. Yeah, right? you do. Yeah, you do. Because like we're playing shows yeah. every week, like multiple shows every week, but sure. we still practice. Mm. And like during practice, we're completely not afraid to be like. Okay. okay, that was horrible. Yeah. Try yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. And no, we're like, that's not bad. Just play it better. Just play it better. Yeah, play or, it better or like, whatever. hey, can you try this? Yeah. Can you try this? And, like, none of us are afraid to say that or do what people are suggesting. And, like, that kind of comes with just being comfortable with each other. It's almost like a family atmosphere mm-hmm. where it's like you can say what you need to say and you can be wrong, but you can completely bring it up. And it works so well, which I feel like a lot of bands kind of stumble on that because they kind of have their ego with them and everything it's just like let hey, it go you, you let, it, let it go like you gotta play for the song not for yourself and yeah. like maybe this will be better for the song let's talk let's talk about a subject that may or may not actually exist um, we're gonna talk about genre uh, we're gonna talk about <laughs> okay uh, alright let's, do, let's do it you guys have a couple different listings on even the website because yeah. if you guys make it kind of clear you're not actually even sure what to call the genre no, of music not at all. you play you call, I would call it folk rock because I have like six genres on yes. my iTunes it's like rock folk rock punk metal yes. hip hop right that's about mm-hmm. it and everything falls in those like five or six categories yeah. but yeah. uh I'm sort of curious, a lot of the listings, stuff you guys use, you're using acoustic guitars, mandolins, banjos, uh, drums, you're using upright basses, a lot of this stuff does sort of fall in that line of music. Was yeah. this, did you guys sort of come to this genre naturally, or did you have an idea coming together of what kind of music you wanted to play? 
I didn't. You had yeah. no idea? Yeah, I, I, Mitch, I Mitch had probably the least amount of idea mm-hmm. because uh, our just, whole band... They just throw stuff at me. Yeah. I mean, like, they had stuff that, like I said, parts, a lot of that, uh, everything off of Arlene and, stuff, and half of our next record coming out mm-hmm. is it, a lot of that material is already done. Yes, back so up. I'm like, I'm looking at what mm-hmm. Seth wrote because he was playing stuff with his... Because he was... They were still playing shows as a duo and he was playing a kick and a hi-hat just boom chick back and forth so i was looking at what he wrote and then trying to adapt that into my own style yeah, yeah. but to answer yeah, and the question like um i kind of stumbled along around the genre maybe my senior year of high school when i was getting really hard into like bob dylan yeah dylan. and like early neil young and i came across the band the Avett brothers and that just kind of like changed my whole mindset yep and i just i just knew i wanted to do something acoustic and i in college, we hooked up with uh, Adam Ludeman, and we made the Birdseed Bandits, which mm-hmm. was more folk than what we're doing now, sure. and then Nash joined on. But we're just kind of trying to be a rock band with bluegrass instruments, sure. and mm-hmm. we're just playing like we're just playing rock songs with the instrumentation that we have. Okay. So we just have really no idea what to call it ourselves. Folk rock, Americana is the well, best way to really the describe it. I, the reason I bring it up, and this sort of happened in early 2000s, late 90s for me when I mm-hmm. was, I was about 15, whatever it is at the time, right? And, you know, all of a sudden, like, these bands that I listened to and was really into, like, I was into the punk rock genre. I loved, yep. like, Dookie and the old Green Day albums and the first mm-hmm. Blink, yep. two records. Oh, all yeah, sudden, I was huge in the one Blink. So like, yeah, but yeah. all of a sudden, this music that I thought was, like, this insular thing that I like is, like, on the come up a little bit, right? Like, yeah. people were listening, like, yeah. mainstream folks were listening to it. That's what happened to me. Uh, yeah, and, then, yeah. and, then, sort of, and then it did sort of bottom back out a yeah. little bit after Ron. And this genre that you guys are playing right now, like, mm-hmm. the, and I love the stuff you guys are playing. I'm not, I'm not knocking the genre. It's sort of on the come up right now. You know, yeah. Avery Brothers are really big. Mumford and Sons, whether, whether or not you like them or not, is up for debate. But they're yep. very popular right now. Mm-hmm. I listen to the Cave Singers a lot, who are Yo, really, yeah. really cool. And yep. I do think that the, this genre is very, very in right now. Yeah. But it's not like the kind of genre that falls out of favor because people have been making this kind of music for a exactly. long time. Yes. So I'm kind of curious, <laughs> why do you think that suddenly the appeal for this music is back? Or at least more on the come up. It's a hard question to ask. That's a good one. I, that's a good question. I kind of have a I have an immediate thought on that. Sure. Yeah. sure well, you're please. the newest newcomer to the genre. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am. And the the reason why I feel like it's why I feel like it's super popular. We've seen a trend in mm-hmm. sort of like smaller venues, um, tighter mm-hmm. places to yes. play, and that big brass rock music, like real raucous stuff, doesn't work. Right. Yeah. in those environments very true. and we see that in U- particularly in Utica a lot and we've had this we've had this discussion just within days of today oh, yeah. Yeah. but so we see it sort of that uh, traditional instruments sort of coming back out acoustic guitar you know uh, an upright bass or a drummer that or a drummer that can uh, uh, I guess adjust its volume but <laughs> um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that we can fit anywhere and that music from that mm-hmm. genre yeah, can sure. be played in a really tight spot mm-hmm. and still really work. You can't yeah. put Rage Against the Machine at Nail Creek. Yeah. It's not going to work out. Like, it's just not big enough. I would be very pleased. Yeah. You're, 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 you're not going to fit Van Halen oh, at dude. Woodland. We, yeah. used to, we, right. we used to pack people into the Valley Brook with a punk oh, yeah. band, with a five-person punk band yep. in the Valley Brook. So think about yeah. that kind of madness. Exactly. It was not meant for that. And it was, it was fun, 
but it was also like irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That being said, we love those types of shows. Though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like the small and packed we can nice. get. I love oh. it. It's, it's a very strange feeling. It's an yeah. interesting, intimate sort of feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which we love. Yeah. There's no riser. You ever play yep. where there's no oh, riser? Yeah, sure. And you're looking. Yeah. I love a floor show. Yeah. Yes. We um we, we always we sort of talked about that a little bit. It's kind of hinting towards a genre question too, because it's like every time we play, whenever we play at a folk a folk rock mm. style event, we are we're the punk we're band. the punk band <laughs> because we're like the high energy yeah like you know yeah you yeah. like. <laughs> It's way it's way different, and everybody's yeah. just like, oh, yep, there they are. And then when we go and play at a rock show, we're the it, acoustic act. We're the acoustic <laughs> act, but everybody's like always sort of like surprised. They're like, wow, that was you know like that. Was, there was a lot. That was yeah. A lot. Yeah. What yes. separates country and folk? Um, <laughs> where are you from? Where are you from? No, well, I I've got a good one for this. Uh, are you talking about? Country or bro country? <laughs> well, I guess because I well the country I remember hearing growing up was yes. my grandfather would play, which was yes. like the Andrew Sisters and like Conway yes. Twitty and oh. Hank Williams. Yeah. And like I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll stuff, tell you, right? there there is nothing different about them. Mm. There's story songs. They're authentic, which was mm. what I was kind of get that uh, going to get to with uh, with the comeback of the music because it's very authentic, mm. and I feel like in that that's what happened to that's a, country. That's an interesting. It's like point, it got actually. very unauthentic huh. and it got very like cookie cutter you just like you got your vanilla ice cream machine you got a yeah, song yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it, that's because yeah. a lot of modern country sounds very similar to modern pop music exactly uh, you and mean we can't write songs about girls trucks and cold beer are you telling me Sam I, uh, I mean no it's just can. country it's just country madness <laughs> to a pop beat uh, and yeah. it's just like you got your fake your fake southern mm. twang on it but like there really is no difference between like the older, more authentic country and modern folk music. Yeah, so. because it always bothered me as a guy who listened to punk rock growing up and, and like the stuff I listen to now because yeah. I listen to certain like country songs sometimes yeah. and I'm like, it's a great song. Like uh, yeah. like Whiskey River by like Willie Nelson. Yes. This is a good song. Like yes. whether or not you like country music, yeah. it's just a, a well song. written song, yeah. right? But then like, you know, then I hear like some I don't even know what modern like Brad Paisley is that a person? Brad's right. a person. Is that he's, a guy? He's, he's weird because he's a really good guitar player. He's a good guitar player. That's the other thing. No, Florida Georgia <laughs> Line. That's <laughs> the one. That's that's the one. They promote on wrestling a lot. I see them on wrestling oh, all the time. God, why? Same why? crossover audience. Why? I think, for the most. Part. You know <laughs> what? What I will say. What I will say about some about some acts like that. Like you can shake your head at. You can shake your head at the same thing. Like you know how to sell. You could. <laughs> yeah, right. You could be mad at Florida Georgia Line. You could be mad at Nickelback because. They're both kind of like the same. They're both kind of like the same thing of a different genre, but their live show is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They yeah. really know their their production team yeah. is really great. Their front of house presentation yeah, it's is arena amazing. Country. It's just yeah. it's it's not yeah. it's not country on a level at least on a level of production I've yeah. seen before. So it's like how hair metal was back in the eighties. It was like it was a whole production mm-hmm. and a whole following and a whole culture to it. Shout out to my sister and Karen for that big Skid Row poster she had. In her, in her <laughs> exactly. Room yeah, there you go. And alive. like now that now that's like a Florida Georgia Line poster. And <laughs> exactly. Got, got all the right. mud crickets in their fake trucks and all that stuff. <laughs> How long have you guys been playing the songs off this Arlene album? I was listening to it a little bit before uh, you guys came over. Um, those six songs that we wrote first are on that album. Mm, yep. Very good. Like, uh, well, what stood out to me actually while listening to it, your instrumentation is very tight, obviously. Yep. Uh, 
beautiful vocal harmonies. You guys oh, do you. really, really thank wonderful. You. Yeah, wait for the second one. Yeah, the yeah. second one's yeah. Wait for second the second one. Well, that's obviously a big part of what you guys want mm-hmm. to do, right? It's yeah. not necessarily promoted in the instrumentation, but yeah. when you listen to it, it sticks out, certainly. Where did you guys sort of decide that that was something you wanted to feature? We just um, like it. Yeah. Just like it, yeah. yeah it's like, I'm like a huge it. Eagles fan, and I'm uh, just Eagles. like, why can't like there be more of that? <laughs> like... Why can't there just be like really good solid harmonies and we're trying? <laughs> I, we kind of like the we kind of like the, the the challenge of it too. Yeah. Like we'll start like working on it and then you get like mad at it, but it's like this like little love hate tug, mm, yeah. and you're like can't it's got to be like right the harmony's got to be right there, and then you nail it, and you're sitting there in your in your rehearsal space, yeah. and you like you hear it just like slam into the walls and it just sounds so good and you're yeah. like yeah that's what we're talking about yeah and you finally get it and you're like oh yeah. man yeah. but three it part is, is difficult awesome. i always go back to uh musical theater i did a lot of musical theater mm-hmm. growing up so that stuff made oh, sense yeah. to me yeah. to yeah. a certain extent but then I, I know they get a lot of they get shit on for being like bad vocalists over the years but like yeah. i listened to a lot of blink 82 and they had a lot they had of a lot of good harmonies back and forth yeah. it was weird when you would get two guys who you would say singularly can't sing who sing together and it's like this actually sounds really good together yeah, I don't know yeah. why these two yeah. things work mm-hmm. and I remember bands when we were growing up would be like how did you guys do that vocal harmony we're like we listen to a lot of Blink-182 yep. like that's really and they would yeah. laugh at us I'm like no that's yes, yep. seriously go listen to them yeah, yeah go listen to them exactly. right. yeah. um, so let me ask you this like you guys said you have a new record coming out yep mm-hmm. yeah. how, how long are you thinking before that comes out September 30th September 30th, 30th. September 30th and you're <laughs> yeah. playing all that stuff at the live shows now you're yep. currently touring that stuff yeah, yeah. we're uh, yeah we're yeah we're working that stuff yeah. around we don't hold back on songs like it's literally as soon as the song is done we have a whiteboard in our practice space that'll have like the name of the new song and it's just like okay, okay we put Gigable next to it and then we start playing that song we're already playing songs off our third hypothetic record. third record right now and yeah I, um, that's awesome. that's how, yep. how it goes isn't it though you gotta, yeah. you gotta start building them up over time exactly. it, I've tried to write songs in studio before and it's a lot yeah. of like you gotta make this oh, decision yeah. now and you make it now and forever hold your peace exactly yeah. I mean, so. we try to nail every coffin like every nail in the coffin before we go into record uh, I know that you guys are gonna play a little something for us in a minute and I want to do the lightning round with you guys so before we do I have a weird question that I want to present to you guys I like weird uh, questions as a, as a guy who grew up in punk rock Mm-hmm. Uh, I notice that old punk rockers tend to sort of fall into folk music later on in their musical yeah. careers. There's a weird connection. I can look at like bands like uh, The Men. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minutemen, old style Minutemen yeah. from back in the day. They sort of have that weird folky vibe toward yeah. the later parts. Uh, Gogo Bardello, which is like sort of a weird yeah. gypsy punk yes, band anyway. exactly. And then yeah. like, I think about The Clash, which go like over like a ton of genres. Yep. Like where is this weird connection between like punk rock and folk music? I think it's the authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's still it's just folks playing music. It's yeah. it's yeah. but it's, punk and, and rock like that, it's just younger kids. It's still that same sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. But it I think that those people just latch on to that same feeling in a different genre of music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like being like ha- not having a voice and then just trying to get that voice out. And, like, with folk music, it's just not electrified. Mm-hmm. And then with punk music, it's angry kids that have electric instruments. And mm-hmm. it's just it kind of two tell- sides of the same coin. kind of t- end up telling similar stories, too. Yeah. Like, they the do. music yeah. really does yeah. tell similar stories. Like, listen to early Bob Dylan. Early Bob Dylan, were, they were punk songs. They were three-chord, mm-hmm. I'm upset at the government... Like, I'm just going to yell at you from the stage. And that's how it was. Punk is almost certainly, I've made this argument many times, an aesthetic choice, not a musical choice. Yeah. Like, Elvis Costello was a punk rocker because yeah. he was, like, did what he wanted. And look at him now. Not, not yeah. because Radio Radio is a punk song, necessarily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, all right, so, 
You guys ready for some lightning round questions? Yeah. Of course. Uh, for folks who uh, haven't been paying attention for the last 40 minutes, we are talking with the old main there preparing for uh, Thursday the 10th at the FX Matt Brewery for Saranac Thursday. And then you're also playing Woodland on Sunday, I see that. Yep. yep. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Shout out to my boys at Woodland. They're oh, awesome. they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, and beer is so good. Uh, announcement, announcement with that is that we're actually doing, we're teaming up with Woodland to release a beer that's called yeah. Too Far Gone, which is the name of our second rock. Yeah, you guys joined yep. the Maiden Utica Club of Having Beers named after you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah! You ever drank a Brutica, that's one of ours. Uh, yeah. So, uh, alright, guys, ready for some lightning round questions? Yes. Alright, uh, we're going to do this serpentine style because it makes things easier. So, uh, these are the same questions we've asked everyone who's been on the show, plus I added a couple uh, extra ones just for you guys. Uh, so, Nash, we're going to start with you on this one. Uh, add a cover song to your set list. Add a cover song. Ooh, jeez. Mm. Don't you forget about me. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one. Uh, Seth, same question. Add a cover song to your playlist. Um, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Ooh, I don't know that one. Who's that by? Bob Dylan. Is that Bob Dylan? I'm, yeah. I only got into Bob Dylan for a girl. Shout out to my friend Emily. Because yeah. she was into Bob Dylan. I had to pretend I was into it and try and do like a cram. A bit well, you should stop <laughs> pretending and get into some Bob Dylan. <laughs> Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Uh, Mitch, same question. Something to talk about. Yes, Bonnie <laughs> Ray. Something to talk about. Something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so here's one for all three of you guys. So we'll do this one together. Um, you are playing a super show. Each of you guys is going to pick a band to play the lineup with you at your super ultra show. What band would you have join you in your ultimate lineup? Seth. Um. Let's see, uh, Langhorn Slid. Sure, I don't know that one, but okay, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> bitch. Skinner. 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 <laughs> John Prime. John Prime. All right, yeah. very good. Yep. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good bill. I could yeah. go to that show. I'm into that show. All right. Uh, we a lot of we're, we're not, yeah, we're not guitar that guitar players. Yeah. <laughs> we six guitar players on stage at that show. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Mitch, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Uh, cream and sugar. Cream and sugar. With uh, my wife. With your wife, right? <laughs> yeah, we have coffee every day. Important precursor. It is. Yep. Yep, it's important. Nash, how about you? Black. Not with your wife. No. <laughs> Don't have a wife. Uh, and Seth, same question. Uh, cream and sugar, crying alone. No, nah, it's very strong. It's how I take mine. Let's stay with you on this one since we're already here. What was your first automobile, Seth? Um, uh... 1999 Ford Taurus. Boom! Yep. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Taurus guy. Just crashed one year ago. Uh, That's what happened to mine. I crashed it. You crashed it good? Oh, all right. All right. Uh, Mitch, same question. Uh, 87 Volvo 240. That was that was my. Uh, That's that a was, nice car. That was a gem. Got rid of that because the uh, I couldn't get the uh, couldn't get the fan for the heater to work, and uh, you know we live in New York, so. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Sold that to my buddy, John. Uh, Nash, how about you? First automobile. 2002 Subaru Outback. Oh, you're an Outback guy. You must have So I was. My wow. second one just kind of died. So. Really? Yeah. Might be Honda from now on. Yeah. I have a Honda now. It's, uh, it drives your Get life. yourself a CRV. I'm thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> uh, Honda, please sponsor us and send us some money. Um, all right. So, Mitch, I'll start with you on this one. You may or may not have driven your Volvo to see it, but what was your first live music Oh, event? my God. Don't ask me this question. <laughs> no, because I know what I have to answer. Answer it. Answer it. I know it. <laughs> it's Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> I am 
not embarrassed by that. I've been to some Dave Matthews shows. I think that Dave Matthews gets an unnecessarily bad reputation. I don't love jam music. I don't like Fish. I don't like Grateful Dead. I don't really like that genre. Um, it just doesn't yep. appeal to me. Yeah, me too. It, it does not take away from the fact that they're super, super talented. Yes. Yep. I watch Dave Matthews make up chords on his guitar that I've never seen, and I'm like, mm, that dude is pretty good at playing guitar. Yeah. My our gripes with Dave Matthews are pertained to overplaying. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. everybody overplays their instrument. I think Carter Buford. Beaufort, Beaufort, I can't remember, is a phenomenal player. I just wish he'd play less. Dave yeah. kind of oversings, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's like, what I mean. They're, they're, they're all just soloing over each other the right. whole time. Yeah, the, everybody just kind of solos on top. There's always, yeah. it, guaranteed, if you listen to a Dave record, you cannot make it all the way through a song without somebody noodling something yes. somewhere. Yep. Yeah, and it's either it's either drums or it's it's violin, it's sax or it's something else. Everybody's got to have a piece. Which is why Kiowa and I like before these crowded streets because it's maybe the most mainstream album that he had put out at mm-hmm. the time. So it does seem a little bit more yeah. like songs. Yeah, and not it's reeled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. And then if you see it live, they overplay it. That's true. Now, next, same question. Oh goodness, my first live concert was had to have been Dropkick Murphys yes. and Zox playing That's on. A good way to start. Yeah, <laughs> playing on the Killington Hillside. I don't even know where that is. Is that Vermont? Uh, yeah, Killington. Yeah, it's yeah. a ski ski place. Sure. There was just a stage on the mountain, and they happened to be playing. Yeah. Damn, that's like that's like eighties movie style, like picturesque. Yep. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So same question. First live concert. Uh, mine was uh, called Almost Fest. It's a Almost thing. Fest. It's a thing that uh, I think K Rock put it on. It was mm. at MKJ Farms, and yes. it was just all cover bands. And the reason I wanted to go is they had a band called Les Zeppelin. Yes. And it's an all-lesbian Zeppelin uh, Led Zeppelin cover band. I'm familiar with and that. And I was just like, I want to go to that. And little 12-year-old me would... Well, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Well, and my pretty little good. brother almost bought a uh, pot brownie, and my mom was like, oh, yeah, brownies. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> yeah, mom eat the whole thing. Uh, so, uh, Nash, let's start with you on this one. This is a tough one. Give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book, album, movie, or show. Actually, the album that I'm midway through right now is Driftwood's new album. Mm. Oh, that's a good album. see uh, Blind Al Band, Driftwood, and Green Sky. They were just here recently, were they not? I feel like Driftwood. Yeah, yeah. they they played at uh, something. I feel like I just was talking about. I think them. the it was like the Mo after party yeah, at yeah, yeah. Uh, Creek, maybe? Nail Creek. Nail Creek. No, yes. yeah. I have to think about it. I'm not sure. Shout out to Nail Creek. No. <laughs> yes, I think it was Nail Creek. Yeah, but I'm I'm midway through their new album right now. Nice. Yeah. Nail Creek. Yeah, it's pretty great, isn't it? It is. I've been trying to get Chris Talbot place. on the yeah. show for it's a year place. now. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's hard. He's hard to pin down. Uh, um, you should you should go on the show. It's very fun. <laughs> uh, same question. What was a uh, book, album, movie, or show you are reading, uh, listening to, or watching currently? Um, I'll do album as well. Uh, I'm am the Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats mm-hmm. came out with an EP, mm. and that has been on loop for me. Nice. And it's such a great album. Yeah. Mitch, I'll say it again because I like doing it. Book, album, movie, or show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um. I am listening to the Decemberists, mm. The King is Dead. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I have, I kind of haven't really been able to put that down. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and the only reason why I was listening to it was because I was asking Seth, I'm not really familiar with the Abbott Brothers at all, mm-hmm. and I was asking Seth to introduce me to some of their music, and I thought that that record was them. Yeah. And so yep. when he put the Abbott Brothers on, I was like, this sucks. This isn't good. Like, I don't like this at all. And then he put the Decemberists on. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is the record I was talking about. And yeah. Seth just kind of like, 
Can I tell you the one thing that pissed me off about the Avert brothers? The one specific thing, and I've never been able to get past it. I didn't. Uh, You're talking to a guy that's seen them 13 that's times. That's fine. That's so. fine. It has, nothing, it has nothing to do with their music or what they sound like. Mm-hmm. It's totally. I was sort of half talking to a girl at the time. I was living in Brooklyn, and she said, "Oh, you're living in Brooklyn. You should listen to this song, Brooklyn, by the Avert Brothers. Oh, you'll yeah. really like it." And I remember listening to it and being like, "What is this bullshit? This doesn't represent Brooklyn for me." No, it doesn't. Like I was listening to like the what? Talking Heads and, MK, and like MGMT at the time, yeah. and I'm just like, "Oh, this is nonsense. Like, 2007 crap." You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I've never been able to get past that particular nope. one thing with the no, Avert. I feel you. I feel you. And I guess um, one last question for all you lads. Um, and I'll start. Uh, I'll start, Mitch, with you on this one. Give me one more thing that you are passionate about besides playing music. Um, your wife. <laughs> I am. But, um, <laughs> oh man. I don't know. Move Chicken on. Wings. We'll go with somebody Chicken else. Right now. Right, Seth, I'll go to you then. Uh, movies. Movies. I'm a huge movie. Dude. Like, uh, what's your uh, favorite movie? My favorite movie, uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm. Yeah. You're one of them Star Wars guys. I'm a big Star Wars guy. Uh, I'll get DK yep. in here for you for that. I'm like I'm the. <laughs> I watched the old Star Wars a lot on TBS because they were yeah. on constantly on back when they would show the same mm-hmm. movie every day for a whole weekend. Back yep. then, that's why I like Jaws and Star Wars so yep. much. But yeah, mm-hmm. yep. uh, I don't know. You psyched for Episode Eight? Are you a gassed up for it? I'm pretty gassed up for it. I was pretty let down by Rogue One. Really? Yeah. You're the first person I think to say that. About yeah, it, it was <laughs> like the first act dragged a lot, and then it just kind of like picked up like really quickly for the third act, and it just kind of like fell apart. And then there's like the whole masturbatory. Uh, Darth Vader scene that like every nerd orgasms at, but other than that, it was a man movie. I wish I had like a nerd alert button. I could hear. <laughs> uh, next same question. I'll give you one more thing that you are passionate about. Oh goodness. Um, I don't know. Throwing knives. Yeah, Throwing I was a knife thrower. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you? You should you see like this guy assassin? throw a hatchet. Like, <laughs> oh man, good at it. Yeah. That's got to be something you want to do BBS. Throwing knives, right? No, that's, <laughs> no woods behind my house. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, you ready? You got one? Um, yeah. So my my wife and I we just uh, we're about to we're about to close on our on our first property. So I, yeah, thank you. There you go. So our uh, being an adult, yay. Yeah. So I guess what I what I'm really passionate about right now, and this is gonna sound so adult, but I'm kind of excited to get myself into a position that doesn't that sort of where it. My housing kind of pays, kind of pays for itself. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, the place that we bought is uh, is uh, um, it's got multiple units in mm. it, and I'm excited to sort of like position, get us into a position where we're fiscally in a better spot. Smart. Mm-hmm. It sounds so lame, <laughs> no, but it's not, it's not, not lame. lame. It's, like, it's, it's, like, it's a little lame, but it's yeah, not. It's totally kind of lame. like what. It's just what I'm excited about right now. Yeah. <laughs> the band is The Old Main. Uh, the website is theoldmainmusic.com. They are playing Thursday the 10th at the FX Matt Brewery for Saranac Thursday. They're also playing Sunday the 13th at Woodland Brewery. And you guys are going to play something for us right now? Yes. Of course. All right, let's get you guys ready for the magic of editing. <laughs> All right, and we're back through the magic of podcast editing. And for the first time ever, we're having some live musical performance in the studio. Yeah. Slash my apartment. Woo! Woo! Uh, so give it up. One more time for the old main. What's oh name is Craig? Oh my god! 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 Oh my
I'm all pumped up now. Folks, Thursday the 10th, Saranac Thursday. Check out the old main. Uh, guys, thank you so much. It was awesome having it's you great, in the studio. It's, it's a real in. pleasure. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. again once again to the old man who um you know it's funny uh, we talked a lot about genres and they I, I appreciated how much they liked talking about music you know because sometimes you meet musicians and they're sort of like insular right like there's two types of musicians there's musicians i've met in my life who love music just love all kinds of music every kind of music yeah. all kinds of music yeah. everywhere all the time and then there are musicians who sort of <clears throat> Isolate themselves in their own musical world. Like, I, I do my thing. My thing. I do my thing. Yeah. And those guys are fascinating, but they're hard to talk to sometimes. I agree. Uh, the old main was not. We're not those type of guys. They like music. They love talking about genres and stuff. And I'll say, I can say this. I don't love folk music or Americana folk music in general. Like I, it's just not my thing. Yeah. But when you listen to those guys and the vocal harmonies and the skill as a musician, I can tell how good and talented and. Like really amazing they You were. can you can also tell that they grew up listening to a lot of different styles yes, of music besides exactly sure. what they play because there's a lot of levels of I don't want I don't want to call it pop songwriting because that's mm. super reductive and that's not quite what they do, but you can tell that there's more there to right. it than just like basic mm-hmm. Americana folk music. Yes, and I think it really shows through and it makes them more engaging. And I was noticing actually when I was in there desperately trying to sleep piling pillows <laughs> on top of my head um, that their vocal harmonies were exceptional phenomenal exceptional i do think it's cool that they can pop up and play anywhere because the same think about any time we've ever played we're lugging amps we need 15 outlets we got to make sure we got a couple nine volt batteries mm. like oh, yeah. all the cords all these different mm. things and those guys can just jump up wherever and throw mm. it down speaking of which i'm thinking we should really start doing this more often just yeah. have like a uticast acoustic session cd that release at the end of it just people live in the studio any bands who want to do Wait, acoustic when, on sunday mornings while you're sleeping. <laughs> on sunday mornings when kevin's asleep <laughs> yeah and then we're gonna find the worst time at heather's house as soon as maybe she puts her teething baby to bed and we're just gonna come over and i'm gonna invite the bomb and gridley page to your house and, yeah uh-huh, i'm gonna send tim moore is gonna send your baby awake yeah that's All right, right. All right, let's uh, let's get into this week's uh, history lessons. History oh, lessons. Wait, are we doing history lessons? Yes, we are. Okay, go ahead. Oh, uh, you guys playing cards? Yeah. Right, good. <laughs> right. this, is the, this is the new thing. We're playing cards with your history lessons. <laughs> On this day, all right, this is a long time ago, but it's important that I discuss it. In this day in 1879, Emiliano Zapata was born. Uh, Emiliano Zapata, who was the leader of the peasant and indigenous populations during the Mexican Revolution, uh, he is a very important figure in uh, Mexican history. Um, his his slogan was "Land and Liberty." As a matter of fact, uh, he started an agrarian reform movement that is still very popular in uh, Mexico today, uh, called Zapatismo, or uh, people who followed are Zapatistas. Um, if you've ever seen, and I hate to say it this way, if you've ever seen the stereotype of like what people would say like a Mexican bandit looks like with the sombrero and the bandoliers and the gun and the mustache. That's Emiliano Zapata. That's what he looked like. That's what he wore. That's his. That was his signature outfit, right? So if you ever see that that caricature, like the bandolero so type from, character, that, was, it, that comes from Emiliano Zapata. Oh, I didn't. That's good to know. Now I'll tell you a little 
I have a funny story about this, okay? Uh, when I was living in New York City, I went to a Halloween party. And I had to get a Halloween costume. Now, I am a Latin American histories major. That's what my bachelor's degree is in. 20th century Latin American revolutions. I, I find Emiliano Zapata and, um, and the Sandinistas and all that stuff uber fascinating. I love that stuff. So, I was going to a Halloween party. And I went to the Halloween store. And I said, I'm going to be Emiliano Zapata. So, I got the, like, the big... Uh, the poncho type gear, and I bought the bandolero, and I bought the sombrero, and I had in sh- Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Go ahead. I, so, and I and I trimmed down my beard, and I kept the mustache. So I had like the big thick mustache, but I trimmed my beard down on the side, and I rolled like a handmade cigar so I could chew on it when I was walking around, and and I liked it. It was an awesome costume. Like at no point, and I had oh, I had, like a, I had a gun too, like the the ratchet gun in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> now I I. I need to. I need to state. I thought this costume was dope. I loved I this costume. I thought it was awesome. At no time in my in my mind that I think like I don't think I'm gonna like offend anybody with this, right? Mm. And it wasn't until I went out to a Halloween party at a friend of mine's house, and I started to wonder to myself, I'm like, this is cultural appropriation. Like, it doesn't matter how much I'm fascinated by Emiliano Zapata or by Latin American like culture. This is probably. This is probably cultural appropriation. Someone's going to call me out for this somewhere along the way, right? And my buddy at the time, in his infinite genius, says, well, just don't say anything. You're kind of swarthy looking. You could probably just pretend you're, like, Latin of some descent, right? You have the facial hair and you're tanned. I'm like, I guess. I don't, right? It's not, like, what I'm going for for number one. So I show up at the party and I'm hanging out. And lo and behold, there's another guy there in the costume. He's got the, the Zapatista costume on. So I'm like, yes. Yes, all right. So I go over and I make friends with this guy. And we're talking, and he's Argentinian. He's from Argentina. And we're sort of talking about it. And I was like, this costume's okay, right? He's like, yeah, there's no problem with this costume. I'm, I'm, I'm like liking wearing this costume. Like, yeah, but you're from Argentina, though. He's like, no one knows where you're from. It's fine. So I was like, ah, okay, fine, but whatever, right? Now, this all seems well and good. This is kind of where the story takes a turn. Uh, I got talked into going to a different party quote-unquote, with uh, some in friends. Brooklyn? In Brooklyn. Deep in Brooklyn. Go ahead. <laughs> so, to get to this party, I have to walk past my apartment in the other direction. So I'm going past my apartment, and I'm going to keep going past the other direction, and we're going to go to the party. I go past my apartment, and I'm with a group of about five or six people. My friend Adam and a four or five other people who I don't really know that well. And I'm like, guys, I'm just going to go home. Right, I'm right here, the apartment's next door. I'm just going to go home. And they're like, no, no, come to the party, come to the party. Don't just leave. Blah, blah, blah. So they talked me into it. I go to this party. Adam thinks he knows where the party is. He has a general idea, but he's not exactly sure. So we're walking down this street at about one in the morning looking for a party, dressed up in Halloween costumes. Adam walks into an open basement doorway because there's an open basement door and there's music coming out of it. It's near where we think the party is. So he's like, I'm going to go in there and check. So now I'm standing out in the street with these five people I don't know and Adam is in this mysterious basement party which no one else knows what's going on and i'm standing out there and i'm standing out there and i'm like this is taking a really long time like way longer than necessary so i go into this party and as i walk in i won't describe to you the scene that i see i'll just say we were not welcome and adam was certainly not welcome and he was in the middle of this party trying to explain what was his costume yeah what was it adam was wearing a really nice supreme slash kith jacket it was not a costume he was just dressed up like like the dude who's got fashion sense like too much fashion sense for a Mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning party in deep brooklyn um 
So I have to go into this party and drag Adam out from the party. Right? I'm like, Adam, we gotta go now. Right? So I grab him by his jacket in my Zapatista costume and drag him out of the party. Is anybody else at this party in costume? Yeah, like no. What is okay. No, no. This is a house party, not a Halloween, not a Halloween party. party. House party. Uh, so now I'm pulling Adam onto the street. So now Adam's on the street, and the people who are coming out of the door are yelling at Adam. And now the people who are outside, who I don't really know, are standing behind Adam, kind of arguing with this party. And I'm standing off on the side watching, dressed as in my Zapatista <laughs> costume. And this is the point that it gets interesting. I hear someone go, excuse me. And I go, oh, God. <laughs> and I turn around, and it is this, there's no other way to say it, a very young, angry, gay Latin man. And, his, and his, I assume his boyfriend or just another guy he's there with. And he goes, what are you wearing? And I go, son of a bitch. <laughs> and I just go, look, man, I, I know. I know it's not chill. I've been told already a couple times. I tried, I basically did the, you can't double jeopardy thing. Like, I've already gotten scolded for this once. I know I'm going home, right? This guy took my sombrero. He took my bandolero. <laughs> he took my poncho. And he tried to take the scarf that I had as well. And I was like, this scarf belongs to a friend of mine. You're not getting it. And then he started cussing at me, and I went home. And that was the end, that was the end of my Emiliano Zapata story. Uh, so don't dress as Emiliano Zapata for a Halloween costume when in you live Brooklyn. in Brooklyn, uh, or you will get those things taken from you, uh, which is what happened to me. So I know that was a lot. No, but I visually saw all of that, and you standing there like that. It was a weird moment in my life. I, I have to admit, I still think about Kevin, that moment a lot. I can see Kevin's face right now. <laughs> he looked very pleased at this time. I'm in the wrong here, though, right? Like, I was certainly... Am I in the wrong here? I don't know. I mean, you were a character... You were an actual person, though, of the uh, time period. It wasn't like you went out as a, you know... As, like, Speedy and Zoss, right? Yeah, you were, like, you were a You were... But no one knows that, so it's a very... Like, 1% of the world is going to know that you are that. You have to play the hand with the cards that you're dealt, though. (laughs) And that's the trick with it, is, like... You could sit here and argue all day whether you were in the wrong and if so, how much. Mm. Um, but you got to play to your audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Still, though, look up Emiliano Zapata if you're looking for a good internet read. Interesting guy. All right. That was a long history lesson, so let's blaze through the rest of these. Uh, on this day in 1974, uh, President uh, President Nixon resigned in the wake of, White, of the Watergate scandal, becoming the first president uh, to resign. Uh, hours before his resignation, he actually met with up to 46 Congress members, including many of his strongest supporters, uh, broke down in tears, quoting, quote, the country cannot operate with a half-time president, unquote. So, kind of an, uh, a weird moment of, like, clarity from a guy who gets a lot of, who gets crapped on as being one of the worst presidents of all time. Well, maybe history will repeat itself. Well, I guess that's my, que- that's the only question I have for this follow-up. Uh, people talk a lot about Donald Trump getting impeached, or whether he will or will not get impeached. Don't you think it's more realistic that he would just resign as opposed to he actually getting impeached? Do you really think he so? He would though? never. Yeah, but give they up. said that Nixon would never give up either. Yeah. Nixon, 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 yeah, but those two just because just because those two people are both presidents doesn't make mm. anything else about their no, situation he, the yeah, same. He would mm. never. He'll never. He's a narcissist like that could never lose face. The only way I could see him resigning is if he sets it up in some sort of way where he's in so much trouble that like resigning is the only thing left to do. Mm-hmm. And then he frames it as, I can't get anything done with these evil Democrats. They're stopping me from doing mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. We should probably round them up and kill them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that far away. No, we're not that far away, I bet. Uh, watch the news. <laughs> I do watch the news. Um, 
Okay, that's fair. I, I just assumed that at some point in time he would just be like, I'm done with this. I don't need to do this anymore. I'm just going to go start Trump TV and I'm going to talk about all the things. Oh my that, gosh. That's, that's coming, weird. by the way. They, yeah, I saw, it's already I, here. They already yeah. saw, they already had the, one of the... He's on vacation. We're done. We're oh, done. Yeah. No more. We're on vacation. Next week, maybe. We'll talk about it after the it's second. Okay, so uh, on this day in 1988, uh, Straight Outta Compton by N.W.A. was released, which was, uh, even though there were mainstream hip-hop albums that had gained credibility before that in 87, uh, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy released albums before that, uh, this was actually one of the, considered the first real mainstream moment for hip-hop music in America what are your thoughts about N.W.A. first off and like this album? Do you remember it at all? Uh, this this wasn't the first mainstream hip-hop moment, but this was the birth of what came to be known as gangster rap. Gangster rap. A lot of the West Coast stuff, the things rapping, less about uh, parties, social injustice and stuff like that. You know, people like gang warfare, right. what they were seeing out there. Um, N.W.A. for me has always existed on the strength of whoever's rapping at the given time. There's a couple <laughs> guys I really like. There's a couple guys I don't. A lot of the beats are great, but it's one of those things that's just a little bit too far ahead of my time for me to ever really get any any like personal enjoyment sure. out of it. You know what I mean? Um, like it's not one of those things that I would hear in the background when I was like listening to music. You know what I mean? How like Snoop Dogg and like more rap as we get sure. older and yeah. you're around it. That album came on '88, so I was three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, to give you some context about the gangster rap thing, in '87, Public Enemy released their first album, and it was considered a critical. Like people liked it, uh, but it was also like outsold by DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, with parents just don't understand. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the rap the year before that people were into. Yeah. What was your first mainstream uh, like rap album or rap song that came into your stratosphere, Heather? Oh gosh, really? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> no, I I had um if I. Oh, what did I own? TLC. I had not TLC. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Um, no, it was it was um, salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. That's mm. that's pretty good actually. Yeah, I actually did a like a lip sync in front of the school in sixth grade. Yeah, what about you? What was your first like mainstream rap moment? I feel like I was aware of the concept of like rapping and that it was a style of music, but the first song specifically, I remember being. I remember seeing the video for Nothing But a G Thing on mm. MTV. And being in like third grade and being like, whoa, this is really cool. <laughs> like everything going on here is super cool. The cars are bouncing. I didn't, Everybody's being mean. I probably didn't get into hip hop until high school, which is yeah. kind of, until I was really in Proctor. Because even in middle school, I was doing like drama club and I was doing punk rock stuff. But uh, I think it's fair that this was the one, right? Oh, you're going to. This was yeah. probably the first time that like a rap song infiltrated my entire like group well, this of was friends. The, that's, I mean, that's not even a group of friends. That was the biggest song. Well, that's which, right. uh, no, that, was, that was the biggest song in the country. That yeah, year. yeah. 50 you know Cent, I mean? Get Rich or Die Trying, the album. That album was in every car everywhere I went, and it was hard to ignore. And it is a great album. I like that album still I, to this no, day. Not really. Really? I like some not, of the stuff on didn't it still. Then, I, don't really oh, know. It was yeah, such a big about deal, it. man. It's, it was a big deal, but it wasn't really, it was not my cup of tea at the time. You don't like Many Men? No, did. Many Men's specifically awful. Uh, you're crazy. Many Men's uh, specifically awful. No, and there was like smoke weed every day with Snoop Dogg and them. I remember always like jamming in like See, 11th grade in my friend's car and going down the road and that hearing was, that song. That song I found later on though. Like that wasn't initially a song that That's I funny. knew of, right? Like it, I don't think I bought a rap album until 50 Cent. We used to listen I mean? to that all the time. So, mm. all right. Uh, and then I guess I have one last history lesson for you guys, and it's kind of a weird one, so if we don't like it, we'll just move on from it. Uh, on this day in 1997, uh, a free concert by Garth Brooks in New York's Central uh, New York Central Park was the last concert to draw a six-figure crowd. Um, Central Park in New York, since the 1970s, it had a, uh, had a history of uh, having these big 
gigantic uh, opener free concerts, starting in 1979 with James Taylor. Uh, Elton John was also there for it. Uh, Paul Simon had over 600,000 people. And on this day, uh, on August 7th in 1997, there were over, quote, 650,000 people in the park to see uh, Garth Brooks. That seems weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems like a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. That's because there wasn't really that many people there. Um, this is the last time that there was a six-figure concert in Central Park because after this, uh, they changed the way that they started calculating what the crowds were, right? For many years, what they would do is the police chief would basically meet up with someone from the park and someone from the representative of the band, and they would look at the crowd that was there and try and figure out and estimate how much the crowd actually was. And every time this would happen, the promoters would want to add numbers to make it seem like it was bigger than the one before. Uh, so in the, uh, so just to give you some context, in 2000 and, I'm sorry, in 19, I'm sorry, yeah. in 2008, Bon Jovi held a concert at the same location, free concert, Central Park, it was packed, how many people do you think were there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. 48,000 people. I was going to say like 100, but. So like, that, and considering, it seems so there like, never there, there, so anyone who believes that there were ever these gigantic, massive, six-figure concerts in the park, it didn't really happen, ever. It was all a lie. <laughs> I do feel like Bon Jovi in 2008 is not drawing anywhere near as many yeah, people as Garth free. Brooks in the 80s. Yeah, Garth Brooks is Bon Jovi. In the bon Jovi's 90s. got two and a half bon... songs 20 years before that concert. 650,000 I'm people. not saying that number's no, accurate either. That's, that's outrageous. But Gar- I'm sure Garth Brooks had 150. He might have had mm. two in the 80s. It was 97. Oh, even more so. Mm. Even more so. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He certainly didn't have 600, but I bet he had a buck 50. I guess. I, I, don't, I don't give Garth Brooks enough credit, I suppose. He is like the most number one singles in music history, doesn't he? He used to be. Yeah, for a while. He used to be. Yeah. He got beat by somebody not super long ago. Yeah, I feel like somebody I Somebody like a, like a Swift or Perry or Bieber, or one mm. of those people having okay. beat him. All right, uh, so let's move on from history lessons today. I got a couple interesting stories for you guys, and this one, it's about a soccer player, so bear with me for a second, but I think it's kind of fascinating. Uh, Juan Mata, who is a uh, Manchester United and Spain midfielder, wants to make it normal for all players to donate part of their salaries to charity, with the ultimate goal being 1% of everything that football generates going into a charitable fund. Uh, he's already started doing this this season. He's actually looking to build a quote-unquote starting 11 of other players who would be willing to donate uh, 1% of their salary to charity. Now, to give you some context into what this would mean, um, Neymar is a soccer player who just signed from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain for $225 million. So 1% of his salary, $2.5 million. That's $2.5 million directly to charity if he gave 1% of his uh, salary to charity. They did the numbers on this. If every player in the English Premier League did this, gave away 1% of their salary, uh, it would raise 22 million pounds in charity donations. What are your thoughts on athletes giving 1% of their salary to charity, and do you think this is a good idea, or do you think this is an interesting way of doing things? I think it's an interesting way of doing things. I think it's, um, as long as it's not, like, they don't have to do it, because if you don't believe in a charity or something, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to donate to it. But it would be nice if that if people threw that around more and made that more of an option, mm-hmm. like just because it's just yeah. a nice thing to do. I, don't, I thought it was interesting. Like we, people talk about athletes being overpaid all the time. It's like athletes and movie stars. People have that argument. Like when is too much too much? But like I do like this idea. Like this, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't make it any better. Like you know, two point five million out of two hundred twenty five million dollars you make isn't 
like you're not giving up that much. That impact is a lot, yeah. right? That impact means more than how much you're actually giving out of your total percentage. Yeah. I thought this was a good story. I like this no, one. No, it's nice. I think. Hmm. Yeah, I like a lot of things about it. I like the fact that it comes from the players. That yeah. the players are doing it. That mm-hmm. they're not being you know forced to whatever. I think. One percent is a nice number. Where you really can't kick up a fuss about one percent. You know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. And I like the idea of because I think when an athlete does it and sort of throws down the gauntlet, it's more of a challenge to other athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, you call yes. them up like, "I'm doing this. Why aren't you doing it?" You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not some community mandated thing. It's not because they got in trouble. They're trying to rehab a PR campaign. Um, it should. I would love to see it spread out amongst you know amongst everybody and let the people donate it to maybe the cities where their team plays or whatever it is but I think it would be a nice thing to see that get rolling mm. and become popular mm. um, but I you know at the end of the day people are greedy yeah so we'll yeah, see but I think it's a really it's a classy gesture and it's cool that he's trying to make other people come do it with yeah. him and not just doing it himself I, I like when people come up with like I, I don't know if this is a new idea but I like when like guys take initiative like this like this is a, I just thought I was like yeah this is this is cool. Yeah. I read that this morning, and I don't even like Juan Mata all that much as a player. He's fine. Pray for Juan. Hashtag pray for Juan. Um, let's move on to something else. Let's talk about something a little lighter. You guys want to talk about movies? Sure. I haven't been to the movies much this year. How many times have you gone to the movies this year, you think? I haven't gone at all this year. Not at all this year. Nope. Kevin, how about you? Calendar year 2017? Probably, Probably not. not, right? I, I don't not think so. Movies. It wouldn't be surprising. Uh, this week uh, was actually the softest weekend at the American box office since early April. With uh, the highest movie in America, number one movie in America, The Dark Tower, making less than $20 million, which is kind of crummy for a movie that is expected to be like a series of films and a TV series afterwards. Um, it is, however... I think they've quit on a film series. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that was ever the plan, actually, because they had that TV series ready to go mm. before this movie even came out. Mm. This is actually the biggest Stephen King opening since 2007, when the movie 1408 came out, which I forgot actually came out. So there you go. I heard that was really good. I read the short story, and it was great. I don't think it'll be the biggest opening Stephen King movie for very long. Because... No, because I'm going to go sign over my life savings to It when it comes out. Yes, exactly, for sure. Um... <laughs> Uh, that bumped Dunkirk down to the number two movie in America, which has done very well. I've been hearing very polarizing things about Dunkirk. I'm not interested. I know I should be. I'm just not. Like, Interesting. I'm interested from a filmmaking standpoint because I would I like Christopher Nolan's directing and his camera work and all that. I'm I'm kind of down on war movies. Maybe I don't I don't I just don't I don't know if they I care enough. Feel. I feel like you're projecting on it though too. A little bit. Because it's supposed to be like just because it's a war movie, you know what I mean? Like I don't think that yeah. that I don't know if it fits so neatly in, in the box. I'm less excited about it than I should be, knowing how much I like Christopher Nolan's other movies. Man, you haven't even why. seen Interstellar yet. I don't want to hear it. You need That's to watch true. it uh, immediately. But uh, after after the Dark Tower and Dunkirk, do you guys want to guess what the number three movie in America is? And this is where we're gonna go from the rest of our story here. Uh, I don't, man, I don't even know what's out. I don't out even. Right I was now. gonna say. I, I don't even know what's, what's out. The oh, I think I see what you're trying to do. I'm um, not gonna guess, but I think it look I know. Like a, have facial t- it does, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh, that's right. The Emoji Movie is the. I know it's the number three movie in America. <laughs> and what's more interesting about it is, up until earlier this week, it had the worst. Rotten Tomato ratings available. It was a 0% for Rotten Tomatoes. Do you guys actually pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, actually. No. I do. Mm. Really? Why not? I, I, why? That's how I decide I, if I'm going to watch a movie. Yeah, I do too, actually. I go right through and I'm like, mm, 22%, never mind. I'm, I'm much more uh, likely to... I have sources that I trust for movie reviews, and I'd rather take people I trust than like an overall content aggregator... 
because then I'm getting a lot of opinions of people whose opinion I might not respect. Well, you they do their opinion right. and people, so you get right, right. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm saying, but like even yeah, like yeah. people who are movie critics, yeah. there's people who I don't like what they think about yeah. what movies are good and aren't. So I I follow the trusted voices, and then I sort of follow like the overall like what people are saying. Yeah. It's a little bit like ethereal and out there, but like sort of see how it's trending with the mm-hmm. way people are talking about it. Mm. Well, it got me thinking. Uh, there are a few movies uh, that have had worse. Scores that wow. also have zero scores on Rotten Tomatoes. So I figured uh, while we close up today, I would rank off these movies and see if you guys have ever even heard of them or if you have any interest in them. Uh, so here's one from 2002. I'll, I'll be shocked if you ever heard of this movie. It's called Ballistic X versus Sever. You ever heard of this movie? Oh yeah, E C K S X. Yeah, E C K S. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's your girl. What Lucy Liu versus Antonio Banderas. Yup. Yup. <laughs> sounds terrible. Seventy million dollar budget made fourteen point three million oh, back. Uh, it looks like a video game promo. That's what the that's the review is. How about this one? 2002, the live action version of Pinocchio starring Roberto Benigni. That oh, also I forgot holds. about that. I forgot that existed as well. Um, only made three point six million. It was released on Christmas Day. Uh, Two thousand eight Japanese horror remake called One Missed Call. Mm-hmm. You familiar with this movie? It's crap. I yeah. saw that. You know what? I remember the story. <laughs> you like bad movies? I do what love bad movies. movies actually. <laughs> but this is based off like the story about like the killers in the house, right? Isn't that what this is about? Hard to say. I, I always thought that was the story that this was based off. Of. I these stories used to scare me as a kid. Like no, that's when a stranger calls. You're thinking when a stranger, when a stranger calls. calls. Which I saw in the theater with somebody weird a really long time ago, and I was mm. out, but I can't remember who. Oh, okay, Some so this girl. no, this movie is about uh, people receive phone calls from their future selves, warning them of their deaths. Yes. Mm. Oh, I would watch that. Apparently, <laughs> they said the producers uh, should have gotten a call from themselves, telling them not to release the movie. Uh, 2012, Eddie Murphy finds a magical tree in his backyard oh, in the movie A Thousand Words. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, this is actually a Netflix movie from 2015 called The Ridiculous Six, where Adam Sandler plays a man raised by Native Americans who discovers he has five half-brothers. Mm-hmm. Comedy <laughs> apparently does not ensue. Uh, a couple other movies that have zeros or less than five. Uh, Super Babies, Super Ge- Baby Geniuses 2, um, Jaws the Revenge, and Return to the Blue Lagoon. So mm-hmm. there you are. Some of the worst movies that ever exist. Do you have any thoughts about the Emoji Movie? I don't know why people are so confused, because I'm kind of surprised Who's it took them this long to make the Emoji Movie, right? Like, Who's confused? Who are they confused about? I don't know. Like People are mad that it's a bad movie. It's like, did you think Who's it was going to be a good movie? I don't know. There's a lot of <laughs> outrage on the Emoji. Do, animated movies in general have a pretty... I think you're being sold something. I don't think the, I don't think the Emoji Movie has any reason to exist. Right? I, just I don't think it does. They're just coming up with stuff now. They're just well, like, just, just as much likes as, emojis. So. Just as much as anything else, though. I mean, like, there's so many bad movies made all the time. It's I think an, they're just picking for stuff now. It, they're just like they've always been doing that, though. Really, like, I mean, right now, though. <laughs> I don't think it's any different than any of the stuff that we've seen come out over our entire lifetimes. It's just, it's pitched to us a little bit more like, hey, here's this ridiculous thing for us to get four to seven days worth of blog articles about because mm-hmm. it's a thing and everybody yeah. knows what emojis are. But they've been capitalizing on whatever, like, cutesy little trend is current in popular culture since the beginning of time. Beverly Hills Chihuahua, get out of here. (laughs) Don't tell me (laughs) this one takes the cake. Um, So to give you guys a... thought, though. (laughs) Let me get get the bad taste out of our mouths. I haven't asked you guys in a while. Before we head out, you have any recommendations for any books, movies, or music for our listeners to get that terrible taste of emoji movie out of their mouth? Oh, boy. Um, 
I'd have to, you know, I, I gotta, I'd have to think for a minute. Um, I'll, go, I'll go first if you want. Yeah, um, please do. I, uh, in my weird, like, sort of vacation, I've been sort of fascinated and rewatching the movie Ex Machina for the last, like, day and a half. And I really think it's a fascinating movie. Um, Oscar Isaac uh, plays basically like a, a future tech genius who's building an AI. It's hard to explain. Look it up. It's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Makes you think a lot about the future and AI. Pretty good. If you're trying to pass some TV time by on Netflix, I just got into a show called Glow. Yes. And it's hysterical. Yo. The one, I forgot her name. Alison Brie? Yeah. She she's awesome. makes the whole show. She's awesome. So if you're looking to pass by time, watch something funny, mm. kind of a little serious, but more funny. Mark Maron is my father, and he's never been my father more than he has in the show Glow. Like, he so, is my yeah. favorite thing that exists. Yeah, and that's good for guys and girls. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched The Big Short a couple weeks ago. I thought that was great. thought it was really illustrative really? of the housing collapse and everything like that that went on in 2008. Um, also, the new Arcade Fire record is not as good as you want it to be, but the new Vince Staples record is better than you think it's going to be. Mm. got to give it a couple of listens. Um, That's a shame on Arcade Fire. The though. Vic Mensa is very good, too. It's not that it's bad, but Arcade Fire is one of those bands where they can only be special and magical for so long, I mm. think, and they're trying to do some very, very different things. And it's not that, like, it's awful, but they're just, you know, when bands age and get older and they start branching out and doing different things and sort of losing their focus, you know what I mean? It happens. I'm, cons- I'm concerned about the upcoming LCD Sound System album that's coming out now. Yeah? How come? I mean, I thought their arc was complete with the last one. I don't think they should have came back for more. I, I think you're yeah, we just mad about that, but, like, I think that, I don't think the album's going to be bad. I hope not. I don't think so. I hope not. I have no opinion. All right, guys, uh, follow, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Uh, follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SFDoom. Or don't, just follow the Uticast at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, SoundCloud, uh, MadeInUtica.com. Download the Handshake app to listen to our current episodes. Or go to the website, Uticast.com, to listen to all our back episodes. Real quick, one more time, thank you to the Old Main. Check them out this Thursday at Saranac Thursday. Or check them out this weekend as well at Woodland Brewery. They're all over the place this week coming up. Thanks to them. Uh, That's it. Woodstock lives, folks. Oh, yeah.